this fly that's flying around is gonna piss me the fuck off if it keeps like just like zooming past my face. I'm like getting in your uh, your bubble. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of getting into my or uh, your bubble, uh, uh, David O. Russell's a fucking pedophile. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go straight into it. No, we're we're we, just, we did get a couple of trailers this week. One of which I enjoyed thoroughly until I learned the backstory and like what's going on with this director. And it sounds to me like he really shouldn't be working and operating in Hollywood right now. But Amsterdam's coming out. I hope Brent's using his phone to look up the cast because it's fucking huge. Yeah, perfect. No, I mean, I just I don't come to this prepared at all. Fucking huge, bro. But but yeah, uh, Amsterdam, the film with uh, Margot Robbie, Christian Bale, John David Washington as the three main leads, but it also stars in the supporting areas. Chris Rock, Anna Taylor-Joy, Zoe Saldana, Mike Myers, Michael Shannon, Timothy Oliphant, and you also have Taylor Swift, Rami Malek, Robert De Niro. I mean, this cast is loaded. Um, I can't make much of the plot except for three friends witness a murder and they become suspects. And it, supposedly it uncovers the most outrageous plot in American history. I don't know if it's going to rope into anything, into anything, but it looks like a time period piece. Um, <clears throat> I would say my interest didn't really raise after watching the trailer after waiting so long for something um for the longest time i, I, mean, I, remember- I thought it was pretty cool and i love me a big cast movie but i also thought because of the size of the cast this was like very much could have been a dumpster fire once i eventually see it like a like a death on the nile sort of situation uh well i mean that had other things coming its way but i mean it, yeah like it's a david a russell film and his previous one american hustle i believe was his last one uh it's been it's been a couple of years since he's had anything right no but now joy, wait joy came previously uh, i guess she, yeah. it's lauren so it's been, enjoys working it's with him been, oh yeah, yeah. my whole Only thing though is does. this dude the things that have come out about him like i heard well first i heard about how tough he to is to work full. we don't have to go fully into it but yeah. like He's first i asshole. hold he was just an asshole to work with like yeah. he would like scream at actresses like amy adams had to be sure. uh taken out taken, taken like offset and like taken sure. care of after getting screamed at by him and then he also berated lily tomlin and threw shit at her like once so like dude's a fucking asshole and there's some weird personal family potentially ancestral shit that he didn't like deny at all it's you are going into it okay and i'm not going into details but it's still fucking gross and that's why i'm like kind of not really inclined to see this movie after the fact and that should happen like i don't know why he got permission to make this with all these actors Uh, I, i got i got a couple words for you um roman polanski He's done. And he hasn't made a movie. He's the other one. But that's the difference. Woody Allen. Dude. It happens. That's the difference. They, they got kicked out they of getting, Hollywood. They did they, not. They, they still make movies. Not really. Yeah. Woody Allen. He had one like uh, four or five years ago that was going on. No one. Studios just refused to release it in theaters. Okay. So, but that's, that is the industry recognizing his frailties and not a gigantic cast list that you just read off of A-list stars all agreeing to work with someone who is genuinely an asshole. Yeah. I mean. Looks like he, Woody Allen just had one back in 2019, so not that long ago. But yeah, I just but remember it got, what is it? Who saw it? No one. That and is, that one had Timothy Chalamet, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Really? Yep. Timothy Chalamet, yeah. 
It's the Anthony right. Gomez. So like, it's, well, the it's Woody the Allen. Okay. Thing. It's if, I, if I'm going to be honest, Woody Allen is, is a lot less grotesque, <laughs> in my opinion, than what this other guy did. <laughs> they did practically the same thing, but we don't need to go. But it wasn't time. a blood relative. That's still fucking. They were. Gross. It was like a stepdaughter. It's still, it's still Do you know this story. Gross. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll explain it to you. How about the other trailer? For fuck's yeah, sake. like this. This people that people like working about. Oh, yeah. That is. A good transition. wholeheartedly an, an accurate uh, statement as well, because we get to see like a couple of his homies just in this trailer, like our boy Ben Affleck, ben Affleck. Friend he of the pops up in the trailers, fucking amazing. And it, this movie just looks like it's ready to please the Kevin Smith fans. That's all Kevin Smith does these days. He makes movies for him and his fans, and he's not trying to make the most at the box office. He's not trying to make even that much at the box office. He's putting this out to take it on the road to enjoy this world that he's created with all the people that love what he does. And I think that is an admirable thing. I love Kevin Smith. He is my number one director. He will always be my number one director. He's my inspiration for, I, for I, loving I hope, film. I hope our guy today is not hearing that. Nah, he's very, he's up there. <laughs> Top three, baby. Top three. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't be more excited for Clerks Three, dude. I no, I, I get you. I'm I'm understanding. I enjoy the films. I enjoyed his Jay and Silent Bob reboot film. That was not the worst thing in the world. I also I love the film. song they chose for the trailer. I don't know. It just like the way it was like it, it was uh my own worst enemy. It was please tell me why. And the way they kind of like remixed it, and it just felt so nostalgic because we're take we're going back to this convenience store that started it all like literally started kevin's career and he's tying this into his own real life with the character of randall having a heart attack and wanting to make a movie about his experience in the convenience store the whole thing is super meta they're in the trailer they show a scene which is them taught they're they're parodying it a real outcut in clerks where at the end of clerks they had dante getting shot and killed and just that's how it ends. And like that's they they make a little fun nod at that that little piece of history right there. I'll have to re it's been way too long since I've seen Clerks 2 oh, and so Clerks. Good. So I'll have to double feature that right before. Uh, yes. and, and, and we're not that far away from Clerks 3 too. Well, if you ask me, you should watch the whole View universe before you go into Clerks 3 to get the full range oh, of the how's, how's the other films I'm asking to watch? I know you need yeah. a, okay. I know. Okay, all right. <laughs> calling you out but i guess yeah unless we got anything else we'll just move swiftly into the show this is how i went i'm not even supposed to be here today life moves pretty fast you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it how can you not be romantic about baseball yeah well you know that's just like uh your opinion, man. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. No. No, you. You complete me. I'm the king of the world! If you don't have a good sense of humor, you're better off dead. 69, dudes! Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cine Rivals. We got a special guest with you this week. One of my closest friends. I <laughs> say that. Yes. Because uh, he is within arm's reach of me. 
it's me i'm here everybody oh, oh no don't don't kid yourself oh uh, to, to, we see each other more than you see this fuck yeah yeah and i'll go ahead and introduce this fuck uh we have with us a very special guest one that is he's on. all right dude calm down <laughs> calm. he's about to, okay. he's gonna be flipping tables here i soon. know dude he's already making a scene he's just got here well, with the topic that we're going to be talking about this this episode with Thor, with have the- we even said his name yet? No. <laughs> oh, it's Austin! Yay! It's Austin. Austin Powers here. Thank you, um, Brett. Did you say Austin Powers? Did you say? Did you get? Your it's a name? self-proclaimed nickname for uh, making up for myself. Austin Powers. <laughs> he, he has it. He has it. I literally thought you were on. just like so in the movie brain that you were just like, no. "Fuck, I forgot my name." Uh, Austin Powers. Um, Brett, Brent, thank you guys for um hosting me on the podcast. Um, we're gonna need you to be been listening since the beginning. Oh, and, behave! Um, <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me so much. Yeah, and, sure, with, and with and with this episode, we feel like uh, I felt like we needed a special person that can talk about Taika Waititi, and there's no one else I know more than more than Austin. Yeah, I can't think of a single person, <laughs> Not a that single loves Taika Waititi as much all. as Austin. Yeah, people. that's and crazy. and and saying Thank that you guys. we have the release of Thor: Love and Thunder this week, another Phase Four film from Marvel. Yes. We're gonna get into that, but first up, we're gonna talk about the season finale of Boys that just wrapped, and mm-hmm. I must say that was awesome epic just straight <clears throat> madness and everything that we've been uh teasing up for we finally got it in this last episode and they did yes. not hold back on any punch uh mm-hmm. everything was was destroyed and i feel like we got a lot of answers in a way but also a lot of like um mm-hmm. in terms of like what they're teasing us for the next season a lot that uh doesn't make me want to like Oh, I hate the route they're going. Like, I really enjoy how they wrap things up. Phenomenal, but, yeah. But right off the bat, what do you think of it all? Uh, I thought the boys did not disappoint at all. Um, there were amazing character moments this in the season finale. Mm-hmm. Um, and like um, Brent said, you know, there were there were a lot of satisfying, you know, conclusions, conclusions. to some of those um, character plot lines, yeah. um, oh, and just some awesome things that you wouldn't expect so it wasn't predictable like butcher and homelander um you know their Mm. sort of shared Mm -hmm. connection uh, with ryan and wanting to save ryan that was Um, unbelievable god i was so happy with mm's um part of that fight and how he got his he got to say his piece um to soldier boy and then he got to help explain some of that history to his daughter and i thought that that was a great scene and his character um was just so well fleshed out through the whole show i thought um, and then, and then the other one I had noted was the Starlight and Huey, um, and the, that the theme of the strength. Yeah. Wow, do you um, leave some for the rest yeah, of sorry. us? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I thought that I was so happy. And if I had one single um, thing, criticism of it was um, Noir. I actually thought that Noir oh, didn't boo. get. Um, what is he? It can't, dude can't monologue. This was his problem with Stranger Things. Yeah. Everyone got their like little speech at the end. Fucking guy can't talk. So like, what else are you gonna do? Except let Homelander figure out that this dude's been keeping a secret and let that play out the way it played out. I was fully expecting that we were gonna get a fight sequence with Billy, Soldier Boy, Black Noir, and Homelander. But by the time we got to the actual fight, the teams were all crisscrossed mm. all over the place because you had Billy and Homelander fighting together against Soldier Boy and you had Maeve uh, fighting Homelander. So like there were like oh, sideways yeah. fights going like everyone was just fighting each other. 
I thought for a second that may like come on Maeve like maybe Homelander has a point here that they should take out Soldier Boy but um honestly you know thinking yeah. back to her motivations mm-hmm. about how he kidnapped her and what he's been and what she's he's not always and... been the like most level-headed thoughtful mm-hmm. person when it comes to like she acts first more than like anything and Maeve has really impressed me in this show as just being a total badass well I think that she's kind of gotten shafted this whole season but well, yeah, I mean hasn't she... got enough screen time for right. sure, yeah but... for some for someone that is on the side of the boys where they want they know Homelander's a threat and wants to take him down um, what you were saying earlier with that shot we had of, of Butcher and Homelander working together to defeat Soldier Boy, when they when their laser beams just direct impact on Soldier Boy, I thought that shot was so cool because mm-hmm. there's that intense moment like right before the action drops and Homelander brings Ryan out and like Soldier Boy is just ready to wipe them all out. Like he gives no fucks, mm-hmm. even though he's like, this is your grandson. And he's like, I if you were my kid, I would have taught you better not to be like. Here, I'll that. put it in. I'll put that yeah. part in. That, yeah, it's, it was like you sniveling where, yeah. pussy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe if I'd raised you, I could have made you better, and not some weak sniveling pussy, starved for attention. But there's no fixing that now. It that was, was awesome. A great oh, scene. if I can find it, though, it was like, that yeah. was wonderful. And and there's just that whole you know ten minute fight sequence. I thought was really neat, and especially where you feel like someone's going to die. Like especially with with Butcher yeah, taking the last like of it, the more but... the comedy. Oh, this sort of collapsing. Yeah, yeah, and and you also had Huey help Starlight by raising the you know the um I guess the electricity in the room. So that she was could great. Turn on, on the lights. That moment yeah, so much. Yeah. And that made um, Maeve's line pretty cool. I thought how she said, I can something, but you can fly. And it was like, she can literally fly too. You mm-hmm. guys no, don't remember can. that little one line? Well, no, can't fly. No, no, uh, Starlight can fly. Kind of. Star- kind yeah. of. Yeah. I think with enough energy, she's able to use those fields to, to absorb to, um, the light. About Noir real quick. If he comes back, though, um, I will be happy to see how it comes. How you don't think. it. I, I mean, thought, I thought he, his face was destroyed. Because, like, if he took that to the brain the way he did in the flashback, then he might be able to. I thought it was his. I thought he ripped. He out ripped the, out his heart. He ripped out. Okay, the, yeah, New went might through be his body. Yeah. No, but who could still be alive as Soldier Boy if Mave is still alive and he is. He is alive. He's, they they kept him alive. Yeah, in they the Winter Soldier chamber. Him. They Winter Soldier. Did I turn off in, the show early or something? There's like yeah. five endings here. It's like the Return of the King almost. There's a bunch of endings. We can pause. I missed the. Cr- oh, we'll pause and I go watch the end of the show. It's like, like two minutes. No, they. That's crazy. They show that because they they got Maeve and they saved her and then the, I did turn it right off. The, except as soon delete as Kripke's name came up, they delete the files and yeah. then it cut to them having Soldier Boy and they're locking him up in like a cryo tube. Yeah, and he's just being put back to sleep, but under yeah. surveillance through Vaughn. Yeah, because they want to cover up the mess. Well, duh. But you know, will you also were any of them Stan Edgar coming back? I'm sorry, uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character. Were oh, any of the end credits I, I, no, that no, I missed? No, no. Well, you saw. So the so the end, the episode ends really. I mean, with the lady being the vice you, pre. Well, yeah. You well, you'll find out. Like, so the deep was sent out by Holina to basically murder the vice president. The vice president. Candidate. So they can Isn't control it funny the that the yeah. deep finally got to do something useful? <laughs> yeah, with his I powers? like that. Right. Instead yeah. of fucking a fish, instead of just something. getting head yeah. from an octopus, exactly. They finally gave him like, so, oh, that would be, that is a good use 
of his powers. And there you go. I think he also got what's coming to him a little bit when he had that moment um, watching when his, his ex-wife wife yeah. was bashing him. Well, on TV. isn't she like, wasn't she, they didn't, they got like together because of that weird Fresca group. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Cold I, I, they were offering me Fresca. I'd probably go. <laughs> so, so, uh, so not only you had that, but you had, so you're teasing more of what Cheers. the boys is going into with next season and how they're basically, they're going to have so much trouble with uh, what seems to be like the election, but also, Homelander introduces to the public Ryan. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, you have a, I guess, someone from the riot side of things with Starlight's group of people throw something. I think it was a cup or something, like just basically chucked it right at Ryan, hits him. And Homelander gets really pissed off. And like, we've been waiting on a moment like this for seasons. I mean, they tease the one and I think season two when he's like in front of the crowd and he he criticized it, but it was, and I think that's what they've been trying to tell us is like, he thinks about this all the time. And now since it finally happened to someone he's trying to protect, he blows this guy's head off with his laser beams. And next thing you know, his crowd except no not that. just his crowd fucking white stepdad boy was like yeah yeah, yeah yeah and they got the whole crowd yeah. going and he's definitely gonna be and he's definitely now mm-hmm. one of those like sjw white supremacists like good old boys that's the proud thing proud boys proud, proud boys proud there proud it is boy. dude the this old boys <laughs> well that's from the blues brothers <laughs> we're the good old boy now uh my thing with this season is, Uh-oh. and what it's setting up in this last episode <laughs> is, it's like very much going to be like the boys taking on the election, and the election is very much going to be the Democrat. Like it's, we're going to see very on the nose social, oh, yeah. like and political commentary when it comes to like the people buying Homelander are di- very much Trump supporters and people of that nature. And then the people that are supporting Starlight are like the Bernie Sanders far like left liberals too. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's definitely the direction I see us going in. They're going to, it's going to be the boys rigging election season I, five. I really enjoy not knowing the source material, like not being like, I haven't not read any of this stuff and going into it and still being surprised. They're not even out. close to the I, source I, material. I know, I know, but I enjoy not knowing what's coming next because I think what this show does best for me is just the, there's not much expectations because if you think something's going to happen, they well, yeah. Really how turn the dumb table. would this season have been if we knew that Soldier Boy was Homelander's dad the whole time? Mm-hmm. I think that would have been stupid. I, well, I think it wasn't because I, I asked. It wasn't. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They've been they have deterred from the source material gotcha. in significant ways. This is like in no way, shape, or form like the MCU. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm excited that you know Apple, not Apple, uh, Amazon has. Something that they're willing to invest in, too. That's the best part about it. Like we've said before, they have... Well, they have this they have and they have coming. Invincible, which I think Invincible them and their uh, willingness to take on this more brutal and rated R form of, like, superhero and comic book film is, mm-hmm. well, TV, um, but filmmaking. J.K. Simmons is amazing in that. Yeah. Invincible. That's one I need to... Dude, I but I think watch. Homelander's a better character than Omni-Man. Homelander yeah. is maybe top five... TV show characters of all time for me because it, I kind of still want to root for the guy. My girl, he is that likable, and that's what the character of Homelander needs because he needs mm-hmm. to be that guy that can like win over the public and g- get the ratings and get all these points or whatever theoretical points and percentages they talk about. That's him selling that to us, the audience, too. But then you also see all the moments where this dude is a mentally unstable, mm-hmm. literally psychotic sociopath that at any moment could literally wipe out the entire world and four seasons in there's still no way to stop him at all and now he has a mini me 
that can do the same shit as him. I, I really, like you said, but it's crazy. Text, I think the path. I don't want Ryan, Ryan to get a dumb suit though. I swear to God, Ryan better just stay in his <laughs> yeah. jeans and, and flannel shirt. Ah, he'll get a suit. He'll I thought it was cool when Starlight threw her suit in the, in the garbage. Yeah. Shoot. Like, and yeah. she, I love nothing. For I me. did. I was like, when is someone going to be like, yeah, you're one of the boys. Yeah. And then Frenchie's like, you're yeah. one of the boys. Yeah. Um, even girls can be the boys. Like, you know, Kimiko, the, who's my favorite character, dude. You want to say no, the same she didn't really do that much. You want to say the same thing you said earlier? Yeah, she's a badass. She got to do a really nice fight sequence to Maneater. With oh, Maniac. With, with Maniac. With, like, Flash Dance. After Flash Dance was on the previous episode that she was watching. Yeah. So she, it was, it was really nice. I love that they are, dude. I, I think my favorite part of this season is they're, like, touching on the, like, surreal, like, They've had multiple musical sequences. They had the weird stuff with the animation for Black Noir and his weird mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mental instability. Uh, and those are the things I've really, really enjoyed. And I love that they're growing the show and doing these things and taking these risks. So, I mean, the boys is top tier stuff. If you're not watching, I, I one of my parents' friends are like, I got them to watch the boys just by like saying it was something I watched. And now they like recommend it to all of their friends and none of their friends are like, they're like, what the fuck are you showing us? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, I, it's, I love how now, out there it is. That was going to be my final kind of thoughts was that it's so out there. It's so um, graphic and just jaw, you know, droppingly horrific sometimes. And it has that reputation for delivering on that level but it rises above that level mm-hmm. so much with the characters. And I, and that really um, struck me <coughs> when I was watching the finale because of how well they were wrapping well, up the character through line. And the best part with that too, is like every show with the cast, like this strong, the chemistry of the actors are at the top of their game too. Like I see a bunch of set photos where they all just have the camaraderie with one another and they all, Oh yeah. Like, everything on Instagram. The they look like it's, having it's the fantastic. And, and they're going to be filming the next season <laughs> in August. I think towards the end of August they're filming season four. So like this is gonna come at us quick. I think we won't have to wait too long to get back into Good. into the boys. Yeah. And the to your point about Homelander's um sympathetic nature and uh, you know that side of him, you know, my girlfriend doesn't watch the show. Um, but she asked me, does he want to be a good dad? And I thought about it. I'm like, Yeah, he's only you actually one, believe he's only he wants ever to be a wanted good dad. family. Yeah, he says it. The scene with him and the deep and a train and Ashley, that might be my favorite scene of the season. Yeah. I'm glad you. when he's literally just sitting there. He's like, all I ever wanted was a family. I wanted this team to be that family. And I got you fucking imbeciles. Mm -hmm. And And then he, and then he's like, take off that fucking wig. And you see, she's been literally pulling her hair out because of the stress of the job. Mm -hmm. And like, she was like some assistant. And now she's in Stan Ager's job, like Edgar's job. She's running bought basically. But basically just being at the whim of Homelander. That is the most high stressful situation you could ever see. And Homelander puts fucking A-Train in his place because A-Train throughout all the shit that he's done this season is still a fucking piece of shit that doesn't get it. He is still all about (laughs) himself and his brother. I love that his brother tells him like it is and kicks him out. And he's like, yeah, you can run now because you have a racist motherfucker's heart. But like you've all you've never done anything good with it really that was some great irony there and it was perfect you were because that i that's i've been bouncing back and forth on that whole I, i've been listening to you you haven't yeah. been the biggest fan of a train storyline but after the episode where he you know killed blue hawk and now yeah. that he, the irony with him you know surviving with blue hawk's heart right so i felt like yeah you must have really turned the corner on this. he's got a racist motherfucker's heart is such a great job doing with that straight up 
but I think now that I think now we've touched on everyone, every character. Because I mean, I mean, Frenchie's just doing a bunch of cocaine, and Mother's Milk got his redemption, and he's is still like seeing his daughter, and Billy's gonna die in like a year and a half, which is I think a good yeah. plot device for the next season. Give him that, a ticking time. Exactly. Clock. That's gonna add yeah. a lot of t- drama, and you know who knows what the side effects will right. be. Um, on his way there sure. to his demise. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Uh, if you're not watching it, watch it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, before uh, shout out, Better Call Saul uh, comes back tomorrow. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it in the before TV oh, corner was over. I had to get that gotta, out there. I gotta. I've finished season one, so I had to get back. I will. I want to be a part of the conversation when the season, the series finale hits. I think in like the end of August. Um, so I'll have I'll have hopefully some time to, to binge the shit out of that, inject the rest of it into my veins. Inject it. <laughs> if I can watch, you know what? Um, it was about eight seasons of Sopranos in about a three and a half week span. Don't ask me how I did it, but I pulled it off to get ready for the movie. Should be able to do it for Better Call Saul. Oh yeah, dude! I couldn't believe I know. you binge an incredible amount of stuff <laughs> in a short period of time to prepare for something. That's crazy. Oh, uh, when I lived in Florida, I had nothing else to do. Yeah, now you have a job. Sorry. Yeah, I know, Is right? The actor who plays um Soldier Boy from Supernatural. That's right, sir. Oh, Jensen you're an Eccles. ass. I didn't know that. I just thought some. Oh, I, I do knew. not know. I, the I, been, well, I knew no. he was a fan. That's okay. why I brought it up. Yeah, I thought, thought, the presidential candidate is Bobby Singer from Supernatural. The president, Uncle Bobby. Uncle Bobby. Wait, he hasn't seen the show. He's just saying because he knows about you. Oh, I I don't watch. I haven't seen it, but I wanted to just throw it out there because I knew you. One of the writers. (laughs) I just smoked over this because I'm gonna cut it. (laughs) (laughs) One of the writers for the boys did work on Supernatural. Yeah, really. Yeah, Eric Krimpe. Cool. It's the main guy. He's he's the showrunner. He's the show. Yeah, and he created. Oh wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was easy for him to get uh, Jensen Eccles on board. And yeah, his who was great. Was, Let's yeah, actually so end great. the conversation yeah, we with that. that. We'll end on he there. Fucking fly. He was totally great. I wasn't about to. It landed on my bong, and I literally almost went like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, but Jensen Ackles literally fucking killed every episode he was yeah. in. He was the perfect amount of Chris Evans and a complete or Chris. He was the equal amount of Chris Evans and Captain America, and Chris Evans and Scott Pilgrim versus the World. As like Lucas Lee, that weird, like that, oh, like uppity, because he, that he was also an actor and he was like super full of himself. Mm. I think that's like a good combination. But I also I love that he was like just burning joints the whole that time. Was great. That was yeah. hilarious. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> he did a fantastic job. He was the perfect like antagonist slash protagonist, just yeah. like weapon to be directed at Homelander. Uh, and I do hope he comes back for later season, but. And his chemistry with Butcher was top notch. Oh yeah, like their yeah. interactions. Well, the, but that's the amount of dude, everyone's like, chemistry with Carl Urban in the show is fucking amazing because yeah. he's just like he's so great in a whole nother world in his British accent, <laughs> just being like, "Oh, you fucking cunts," <laughs> just slanging f words and shit. Boy. Yeah, right. Well, speaking of boy, here in a second, but <laughs> let's. Oh, boy. you said boy. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to go from there. We're going to take a turn out of the TV corner because, I mean, honestly, the boys was fucking fantastic. But I don't think that we will be doing many episode by episode uh, TV shows. But again, the last time we said that we completely went back on our word. So 
Going from there, we are going to do a little bit of reformatting this week and start with our theme before we talk about what we saw in theaters this week, and we're going to lead into that. But we decided this week, since we had our big release of the week, be Thor Love and Thunder, directed by Taika Waititi, and he does so happen to be one of my favorite directors of all time. And mine. And Austin's. We actually (laughs) discovered him together. It was a beautiful moment. We both cried. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, <laughs> touch tips. <laughs> so let's we can get the elephant no. out of the room. I was the OG sin arrival here. Yeah, no. fair. <laughs> this is actually an accurate statement. He was the fucking guy I yelled at about movies before I met you. Like a hundred percent accurate. We all for a short stint, you know, the three of us all actually all work together as managers in the same movie theater. Um, but the pandemic, you know, uh, forced part you know, ways. <laughs> I was not entirely certain about the I, um, I part ways itself, right? You know, about the future of cinema. But thank for thankful for Tom Cruise to Tom be able to save <laughs> and save the movie theaters. Uh, so. uh, on that note, I read today that Miles Teller has been talking to Tom, Tom Cruise, be about, thy name about oh, making yep, top yep, three. they've had conversations. I saw that headline. Tom, Dude, Tom Cruise is the father, Miles Teller is the son. <laughs> Lily, or no, what's and her name? Top Gun is the whole is the, Yeah, exactly. There yeah. you go. Uh, where the fuck were we? Taika Waititi. Yes. He, what brought um, you guys yeah. together? Nah, absolutely. But we're going to start from the beginning of his career. <laughs> well, yeah, like, like we've done with our other, you know, segments where we highlight. After. Have we done a career? Would, well, no, we, we usually because we usually do it we where we pick like pick our top camp. three yeah. and we get to talk about a bunch of them. I don't know if we but ever done like a full career, sort of he has enough to where we can talk about it. Uh, yeah, very, yeah, few, yeah. like, yeah. but yeah. like he or what is it? I think it's like seven right now. But we're gonna start with not his feature film. You want to talk about debut. seven? Oh, we can talk about seven. Uh, I got plenty of time for that. <laughs> not his feature film debut, but his debut in this big old world we call Hollywood. Uh, he directed a short film called Two Cars, One Night, about 10 minute short film. It's on YouTube and it's really great. It's a perfect example of his like style and like comedic writing. And it's very much it's New Zealand roots because of the, the way the kids are talking. But it's actually a film that a short film that's gotten nominated for best short film at the Academy Awards. So this is what really brought his name to the public, to the people of the Hollywood uh, circle. And later down the line, we're going to talk about the second time he shows up at the Academy Awards. And that one's a little bit of a more happy story. But I don't think either of you two have seen this, right? Nope. No. Yeah. Watch, definitely watch it on YouTube. Um, I mean, it just it's 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 a, like a little thought provoking, like conversation between this boy who's trying to brag and like be cool in front of his friend and they're sitting in one car and then in the parking lot next to them there's a girl sitting in another car and they they do a lot of this also when the movie boy that we're going to talk about in a little bit because they have it's this was basically the inspiration for that film in a way um but it's a beautiful little piece that it's super realistic you feel like these kids are real kids, unlike like the black phone we talked about the other week. These kids talk normally. They actually talk in a weird dialect. Like, obviously, they're speaking English, but it's the New Zealand Maori like way of speaking. So it's it's a really cool little piece of, of cinema and it's really well acted. Uh, there's a great little time lapse and the lighting is, is great because it's in black and white. So definitely worth watching. But. 
now to talk about his first feature film, Eagle versus Shark. Which probably should have been on your guys' previous episode uh, when you talked about sharks. You guys missed an opportunity there <laughs> for Eagle Te- versus Shark. Um, but it's a rom-com, basically, right? Or, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a rom-com. This, and you know what? I definitely... it's going to be hard not to talk about his films on top of each other, but I saw tones of Eagle versus shark in Thor love and thunder with like some of the moments where he was talking to either his hammer or, or like Jane. Mm. But Mm. this movie is like, when I was watching it, I was like, this is kind of like a New Zealand Napoleon dynamite. Yes. And I put that in my review and it's like this dude, it's like about this girl who's just been like ogling over this guy who comes into her like burger restaurant. She works at and she finally mercers up the courage to like go to a party. He invites not her, but her friend too. And they go out. He's, he's super weird and eccentric. He's <laughs> definitely like a little dork. He's one of those guys who's like, Oh, I can like, I fight like in nine different martial arts. And this is my friend. And he's the best hacker. I know he, it's super dorky. I love yeah. it. And it's played by Jermaine Clement, I who say, I yeah. freaking love. So funny. Jermaine and Tyka are a dynamic duo right there Absolutely. for writing, um, acting, directing. And um, <clears throat> yeah, his character is a little stagnant in life, I think. Um, and Eagle versus Shark, a little bit um, maybe yeah. stuck in the same um, place. He can't really get out of this this uh, town that he's in, but he makes the most of it by just being as a, being himself. Um, and all that, all that training and fighting right. and weird things that he do um you have you know he has those motivations that you find out at the end and there's a very um dramatic and almost pretty sad scene i believe right at that right we got to be careful not oh, to spoil about spoiler. it okay yeah. this guy is seeing this guy <laughs> over here <laughs> no, across the audience, the do his homework exactly uh but i mean there's just so many it's little hard. it's like little quiet awkward moments that just bring out yeah. then highlight the comedy and like uh, the character of Lily in the movie is she's like she's so shy and cute and little quirkiness mm. and like they're both unlikable people but like <laughs> yeah. the fact that they found each other is what you want to see happen at the end so it's really funny I mean the hu- it's, it's like there's humor and tragedy and like these people were like just sad people and it's it's just about all about their ride and them trying to find love and it's super cute. It's and like, that's why I love it. Like, like this little rom-com style he started out with. It's, it's fresh and original and it's in his unique style. You know, it's not your, it's definitely it's not, not its like best. A, not his, his best. best. Um, not his best. Um, but definitely a worthwhile watch and it's not too long of a runtime. I know, dude, you could have fit it in like right before work or right after work. <laughs> super short. I don't know who you're talking. Then moving on to a film that is, I think, more Taika Waititi than his previous work. Mm-hmm. You definitely feel more of his style. He's in it more. He's he's like one of the actors in the actual movie. And he's amazing in it. He's so good at He's it. very good at As it. As an actor. But uh, I, the, uh, the film I just mentioned a second ago, Boy, uh, is about a young boy in New Zealand growing up. It's basically a New Zealand coming-of-age film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shines a, a, a bright light on the world and the place where Taika Waititi came up, mm. like in his own childhood. He's very much pulling from his own experience. It feels like a film. personal story. Very personal, very personal story. Doesn't he play his father? He, he plays does. his own. He plays the kid's father mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, th- and this kid's just like 
uh, loves American culture. He's a fan of the Incredible Hulk and his dad's a huge, he's talking about E.T. the whole movie. And uh, the boy is specifically, he loves Michael Jackson. Mm. And that's all he can talk about. And it, like I said, it's, it's the, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's no, almost like ahead. a little bit, um, and this is maybe a, a big stretch, but almost like a little bit similar to Homelander's little situation where he's fatherless and he's coming up with coping. Oh yeah, that. I no. This film um, is all about those insane expectations that we put on our parents blindly because they're just our parents. Like he is making up story after story after story about what his father has been out there doing, and we learn swiftly, very quickly, that he is just a piece of shit that's been in jail for a while because a he's bag, like man. a little dirt bag, fuck fuck up that got. <laughs> a girl pregnant in high school and then they ended up with a couple of kids and the mom unfortunately passes he gets, away um you know he gets made fun of at school for his you know wild tales no one really believes him no yeah but it's exactly. a situation where he's been coping with this so long and telling himself these stories so much mm-hmm. um that he's made himself believe them almost as well. absolutely and so he really believes that his dad is um this larger than life character and right. Then he, and then dude, then when he comes Tiger, back, when he comes into play, it's so funny. He's consistently just saying the funniest shit. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's working with, uh, with one of his buddies that you, he's literally in every single one of Tyka's films. His name's Cohen Holloway. He's in this, he's one of the werewolves and what we do in the shadows. He's one of the hunters that are hunting Ricky Baker in like uh, the hunt for the wilder people he has a moment in thor ragnarok he's just one of the aliens on sakar and makeup so like this dude this is also you see taika's like birth of his own little group a, a little bit too you more so in hunt for the wilder people when you get like rachel house oh wait rachel's rachel house is in this one too she's uh mm. she's the aunt like this oh little, yeah it's okay, like yeah. it's she's like the, the kevin smith where you um, have this little team of actors that are just your friends that you can rely on and you was, always consistently uh, jeff make goldblum's Side. assistant yeah in assistant yeah. in thor yeah. in, okay. and also she was the the agent in ricky bait like for, yes 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 okay we'll get to, we'll get to that because that <laughs> she's so fucking good in she that movie great. Uh, she's great in this movie too but she's very underutilized uh she was also in eagle versus shark uh <laughs> yeah. oh he's lo- like taika is like a loyal guy he That's brings the, dude he brings I, people up with him. i love directors his he shares his that success. have a little team of actors because mm-hmm. I, I love me some tarantino i love karen smith kevin's kind of like smith. wes anderson i love kevin wes bit. anderson is definitely one of those uh they they have these people that just love working with them because they're such great and like interesting filmmakers to work with like that is a great sign of a great filmmaker in my opinion is do the actors that work with them choose a time and time again to come back and do their projects and that's the same thing with taika so i love that uh but yeah i mean boy i think boy is such a sweet story is such a like a small story and Definitely, it's the one that I wanted you to watch more than anything, honestly, because you haven't seen it. But you should watch it after the podcast, at least. It it leaves a great impact. It and um, the ending is really fantastic, dude, for me on Taika's filmography. Boy, actually, I have to say, ranks fairly high up there. They all are rated. All the movies are rated high, but it is still at the lower of the end. But that is not to say that it's not good by any means, because I think it's fucking fantastic. I, and I loved it, especially the second time around I watched it because the first time we ever watched it, it was together. But yeah. I, I obviously and I believe Brett and I actually watched all of Taika Watiti's filmography together. 
At least at some least, point. Almost besides every the short movie, film. Besides the short film. But yeah. And um, he's actually, I didn't know this, but when I was doing some of my looking up Taika for the show, um, he was kind of a prolific uh, commercial director. Did you oh, guys yeah. know that? I did not. I'm guessing so, for like products in New Zealand. Yeah. yeah so he did actually a super famous one with Peter Jackson and Elijah Wood for um oh, that's so funny. uh for her uh it was for an airline company a new like mm. new zealand air yeah and it was oh i think movies. i remember it was like them like showing them how to you With know, the use characters. your uh, mask yeah. and pull your um seatbelt over like this funny. um that's how a lot of directors kind of get in the game they do commercials and yeah. they build a foundation from that and just like true to his style he can he got a he's a wizard yes. yeah well <laughs> he's a wizard I'm trying bro <laughs> Dude, no, I think up. he's absolutely incredible. Uh, so as we continue the come blast, we can go into uh, <laughs> what we do in Shadows, the film that I've seen. Hey, yes, that's, that's fucking gross, bro. <laughs> that's what it feels well, like over I, here. I wasn't applying Meant, like, the, the end of Splash Zone. Well, you would understand why our comes all over the place because you or, or you wouldn't understand because you I haven't would. seen it. Yeah. But what I have seen. Uh, this this film, uh, what we do in the shadows. I I heard famously about the TV show for years, and I became familiar that it was a film prior. And so I watched the movie not too long ago, about last year, and I was was a fan of it. I thought it was um, just a ball of fun of with this vampire story and like how they they live in this this household together, and they have a, a tenant that also just kind of runs things with them too. And I thought it was hilarious oh jackie yeah especially with jermaine clement returning with him he also directed that uh, helped him direct it too but right I, yes I, this I is their only project one. that they co-directed mm-hmm. and in my opinion it's probably the best of the like the filmography because yeah yeah this ranks it's this was my the first funniest the, every joke the, the jokes are just like rapid it's fire not like silly funny it's just there's a level of funniness that it, it makes it it's smart it's comedy just, and yeah. it's like it's maybe the pinnacle of the mockumentary style like well, it's, it's up there yeah. with like this is spinal tap yeah. if you're gonna like mm-hmm. compare uh and the, the the whole setup of the concept of just like three vampires trying to make it <laughs> in like normal day is is hilarious right so they actually test they did that for a 10 minute short yeah um mm-hmm. i saw that in a recent interview is that they did like a test hey how far can we take the joke of the three vampires and they, well, they in the no, they that, tested it or yeah no you in the flat mm-hmm. um and they were like, oh, yeah, we can do this. So I watched the, I watched it with the like commentary this time. And apparently the flat is a set. It's like an yeah. in-house set. But Taika makes a joke that it was all green screen and that he was <laughs> filming it at Weta Studios <laughs> with Peter Jackson, which is very much a lie. I, th- I thought was oh, what's really funny, too, is also- you never trust what he's saying as facts in a commentary. No, just no, so you know, you cannot. They um, one of the good bits it has in the movie is they use the famous vampire Nosferatu. Well, no, that's uh, Peter. Or like, it looks like Nosferatu, but his name is Peter. Like in in the likeness of Nosferatu. They were obviously going for that, exactly. They were going for the The Nosferatu look, but he's Peter. (laughs) Never mind that. Yeah. It's It's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) No, and he's in Deacon's like, it was Peter. And and then, dude, they they do so many of those like, yeah, where they're you're Quinta. talking about someone yeah, and then and they then cut to them, they're just sitting right um, there. Oh, that's that's quintessential Watiti right there. <laughs> yeah, I love that. This but no, it's funny. oh my god, so much of this movie when they is bring funny. the people over to suck their blood. I and they don't well, know. What, so my one of my favorite parts of the movie is the like Nick, subtle effects vampire. 
the the way they use cgi special effects and practical effects like yeah there's so many moments like the one scene where like uh it's vladislav is like firing an arrow <laughs> apparently jermaine drops the arrow and then a cgi arrow flies across the screen and, and sticks him, yeah just pulls an arrow from out behind his back and sticks it in his <laughs> knee like he got impaled like that's yeah. that's classic hollywood stuff that's fun that's like little um i also love when uh there's i think it's deacons in a backpack yeah yeah like and they're that whole scene where like nick's running nick's around the house and like escape vladislav's like, oh, it's so frantic iconic. and and with the, the music, way they're, they're like the Woo! music and the way it's filmed and then you have the vampires <laughs> it's like it's some of the oh, best vampire so stuff you have ever dang seen and like the worms yeah they're like oh <laughs> do you like a basketti do you think a lot of that was improvised? A lot well, of they said they, they, they literally said they don't know why they were calling it Biscetti. They just thought it was funny. <laughs> but no, it has to have been. Like, uh, I, I, I mean, I got to imagine they were since two of the people were the writers. I got to imagine they were just like firing things off. There's so there many memorable lines from the movie. Um, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anytime like, I meet someone named Stu, I'm like, Stu, 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 Stu. Stu. And you mentioned Jackie, and um, Tyga said Stu and Jackie went to high school with him. Stu was not supposed to be a character. So, <laughs> Stu is an actual guy that's just a yeah. friend of Tyga's that they asked to do like the digital, like hooking up the Wi Fi and like creating <laughs> video village sort of stuff, but then would also just pull him onto the set. And <laughs> apparently, he was supposed to be a, a energy vampire, but they cut that subplot. Oh. But they just kept asking him to come back day after day and like having him shoot more and more and more. And like, he was never like ever told he was actually an actor, but he was it ends up in the majority of the film. And I love the character. And just too. the way all the characters love Stu is so amazing. Wholesome. It's, it's so like very wholesome. wholesome. Yeah. And they're like, they want to eat him because they're he's like, so, Stu, he's like got flushed red cheeks guy, and stuff. Yeah. And they teach him how to internet and they like how like to the take sunrise pictures. on the on YouTube. Like so they're oh, oh yeah, I love that. So, uh, gosh, yeah. And then I also want to talk about this is the first time we see Taika work with Reese Darby. Yes, uh, Reese. He's, oh yeah. he's the leader of the pack of werewolves. And I love amazing. how in this world, it's not just vampires. There's zombies mm -hmm. and ghouls and werewolves and witches. What are they the, What are they called? The unholy? Um, I don't remember. They just call oh my like, God. Um, That'd be a good little piece of trivia. But it's like the... Or in, I, there's like, like the, the association like, of the in in, no they were saying and... like in association with the karari zombie <laughs> society or something yeah. the wellington's club for vampires and, and the wellington um pd has a spinoff show on hbo totally totally and i like it brent that mentioned up top good. dude the show for what we do in the shadows the spinoff oh. show that's high quality television bro that's that is incredible. a show i watched not because i have a podcast um, FX is actually dropping some good, really good ones I've heard. And oh yeah. On that note, F FX um, is always. Well, been he has solid. another FX show too. Uh, Res Re Reservation. I, I actually mm -hmm. just started that one and I liked it. So. I also want to finish our flag means death. Speaking of restarting, you haven't finished that. No, I haven't finished. Dude, he said he started it, but it started going. In it was kind of slow, but I, I will finish at some point. It really pays off by the end. Oh, and really? it's, it's incredible. And black he's amazing as Blackbeard in that he show. Is, he's definitely amazing. And it's black. it's awesome he's how we, we say he's amazing. And he literally 
just does his own accent and plays yeah, himself. Yeah, in every pretty role. much. But it's uh, uh, well, I mean, the I can't remember his vampire name off the top of my head for any, for some reason. Um, but he, not Vlad. It's no. um, uh, Viago. Yeah, Viago. There we go. Uh, his well, Viago in this is maybe the most accent he's putting on, but really he's just doing like a higher, more Weasley version of his own voice still. Yeah. I mean, um, and he puts a German accent in for um, yeah. Jojo, but yeah, we'll get, we'll get there. But yeah, um, I don't know. Is there anything more? Of this is I you still, can't say enough good things. Best. Yeah, you, all, and if you say too much, then people are gonna be like, they're hyping it up too much. So it's almost like you, they they took the right approach with it though by going in that that mockumentary style of the yeah. filmmaking, dude. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bring something up. They even put like a stamp on there, like this is the official yeah, like New Wellington, uh, Wellington or New Zealand yeah, documentary, documentary society. Yeah, if they said they created up, that. Oh, they created in the comedy and the okay, commentaries. They had cool. someone in the digital yeah. website. They're like, well, but that's it like was a Fargo so thing. real. That's like a Fargo thing to do. Like how Fargo well, says this is a true story, but it's but it's not. Apparently it's just something in New that... Zealand, there's committees for everything, oh. and that's the joke. <laughs> okay, yeah, but it works on the level that that works in Fargo. I think sure, where it's kind of it's like, like a tourist. It adds thing. that an extra layer of the realism to everything, for sure. And that Agreed. is that's what's great about this movie is the realism and how serious they're taking um everything that is what it is to be a vampire and so right great. <laughs> they they have to get dressed like to get like they have and to I show each other the, how... i just love the tropes for vampires that they establish and that they go forward <laughs> with in the show because like mm-hmm. how if they eat food they violently vomit blood and when they yeah. turn into a bat it's like a like a weird <laughs> awkward transition yeah. and the way they float is lit they're very much on wires yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's kitsch it's funny and it translates super well and i i absolutely love it and if you like this movie i can't recommend the show and agreed yeah and anymore the it's a perfect continuation right the movie it's will not the same character special you know place in in everyone's hearts but absolutely the, but the show it just takes that i those ideas and just expands so well all right any final words brent no, you, I want you to give a final statement about how good this movie is, and then we will move on. Come on, Brent. It is good. All right. Well, <laughs> that's your endorsement. <laughs> All right, Brent. Oh, wait. Oh, one more thing. My one of my favorites. Maybe scenes, if it was Denis Villeneuve, you would be. Yeah. Or David Fincher. Which I... Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I. <laughs> oh, if he did a vampire. I'd watch film. Phantom Thread for that podcast. Yeah, well, I'd find the it's, time. It's, it's it's been a year since you said you're gonna watch it. Yeah, no. Well, I said I'm gonna watch it last. So I think I've only I think I've only said I'd watch the boy two weeks ago. Whatever. Oh. Uh, so next up we have the hunt for the wilder people. And correct me if I'm wrong, Austin. I think you're this wrong. is the first one we watched. Yeah, this is like our, the our introduction to Taika. I think this is we, this we, is how like it was just like on Netflix or we something. We definitely watched this one before Boy. We, we definitely watched it before Boy did, and Eagle vs. Shark. And, and yeah, uh, we, and then the obviously the two that hadn't been out yet. Right. Ooh, that's a yeah. But I'm one. Did I tell you about what we do in the shadows, or did we both kind of know about that? I, well, technically speaking, you want to know what he does in the shadow if he wasn't with you. Yeah. <laughs> It when throws him off. So it doesn't matter if it connects. Yeah, it I just have off. to edit around it. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I mean, unless you saw what we do in the shadows before me, I think the first time I saw it was with you. 
but I think this was first. But regardless, regardless, we go into just it. trying to figure out what we did in the shadows. What did you think? You you jump into it first while I pull up my notes. Oh me, yeah. Um, so I do feel like a bit like um unprepared because I haven't rewatched. I, I need I needed to rewatch oh, um, for some of these. This one was and so, so good. it's kind of like showing up for for um, all my college classes. Kind of that same feeling. Um, <laughs> oh, that's that's <laughs> very funny. <The> self roast <laughs> always accepted on the phone. but um but no I mean God hunt for the wilder I mean, people. Bro, Ricky this shit's Baker, majestical. Uh, he's a standout star. It's um, majestical. He yeah. got that role in the Deadpool movie, I believe. Yeah. After oh, and yeah, this right, was kind was. of uh and he he's amazing and, uh, and also don't forget name? his uh don't fantastic role in christmas chronicles too oh, i thought you were gonna say godzilla versus Kong. oh yeah I, I I, that was forgettable oh, yeah me too yeah, i guess he hasn't shined as much since, outside no, of this was, cool in this dude he is the perfect shitty little kid in this movie he's i love perfect, it yeah yeah he absolutely brings it as like this like reject of society uh everything's so understandable i think like because how the the adopted mother like Dude, what happens yeah, right at the very beginning right. the first 15 minutes is like him being bold and like an admirable director and giving us this tragic storyline mm-hmm. of this kid that just gets passed around in this family that's like finally the one that would is willing to take him right. in and then the story beelines and right. i love when movies do that it's like a hard shift it gets you i like gets you reinterested in what's going on and having this woman who is becoming a motherly figure for this kid for the first time this kid maybe ever has had and then that getting ripped away and then them inevitably heading out into the woods and him finding this familial love with this man who (laughs) didn't really want to have an adopted (laughs) son but it was also just hanging out with this woman and letting the woman provide for them they find solace in each other Mm. and that part of the story is so beautiful and then at the same time and just like in boy dude taika watiti knows how to shoot fucking new zealand there are some incredible vista shots and some Mm. fantastic cinematography they make the bush look so vast bush and, right yeah exactly. the bush. oh yeah well, <laughs> and dude, that's yeah, reese jumping, right yeah you're jumping the gun i'm dude. going to uh, i'm going too far psycho sam is coming later dude <laughs> oh my god that's my favorite part of this movie. That, but yeah that's that's this movie being just as funny but and also rachel house's character and she's like no child left behind no child left behind no child left behind and she's just on the news and stuff and blowing everything out of proportion but yeah, no, this movie is rarely oh, really that that central connection between Sam Neill's character and Julian Dennison's character. And seeing him so young and so naive and thinking he can take on the world, but like realizing very quickly that like life in the wild is hard. Yeah. And there are things he goes through such a character development in this movie. Yeah. And that's awesome to see. I mean, I absolutely love this movie, Brent since i recently watched this thank you i knew that this is when i finally <laughs> could get a conversation out of this man uh it was good oh, you're no <laughs> i think i think what i enjoyed most about this movie is not just um i, I mean not my first introduction to julian Dennison because i've watched deadpool 2 first and all of his other films but uh sam neill 
is just a reminder of like how great of an actor he once was and kind of looking at his filmography and like seeing that there was not much uh he's done and so getting to see him in this role and and this uh, i guess uh, first time with taika and obviously he has a little bit more to come uh i i just i, I enjoyed the relationship that that team had those two had because they're you know two people from opposite side of the tracks and they're they're he it was like the last thing his wife wanted him to do was to kind of take care of this boy because this boy didn't have anyone. Mm -hmm. And so he welcomes him in because he didn't have to go out and search for him, he, but he just knew that it was the right thing to do. Once mm -hmm. I don't think he was. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to oh, search for him at first. Oh, I think he was just doing was. his thing in the bush oh, and ran into him. That's the thing. I love his dogs were heck never really wanted to be around this kid at, at any point. But like I said, he was just that age. He was, he, he was, he was also, benefiting from the love of uh i can't remember the game called the pervert and and also well that that part <laughs> but uh what's her Reem, uh re no that's her real oh, name is it my oh name. you're Rachel talking Hall? about the character the character that played the adopted mother right and like how he wanted to what miss faulkner oh faulkner was that her name in the movie? Well, well that's their last name. That's her last name. Bella. Bella. Thank you. There it is. I was like, when is this guy going to help me? He's got the shit pulled up. <laughs> Dude, I didn't know what the fuck. Um, <laughs> Bella in this movie is a fucking short-lived. She is short-lived. She, had, unfortunately, yeah. spoiler alert, going to drop a hard one. Because I think if you're going to watch this, skip like 15 seconds real quick. She dies and... That is when, like, they got the, either uh, Ricky Baker is going to get taken away or he's going to have to run away. He tries to run away and then he runs into heck in the bush. And then that's when they both decide well, to just go off together. He doesn't just run away. He pretends that he was he died. Oh, he, he died also in the burned fire. down his barn. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah. barn yeah. He's like, this is this is I'm uh, the body in the barn is me. That's even yeah. though it's clearly so not. He's he oh stable like a plate. So that's child logic. That's yeah, and mm -hmm. I love that. It, it feels so genuine. But I I think my favorite thing to take from this though was this was kind of the first time Taika was able to use the scope of New Zealand and like the cinematography. Well, you haven't fucking, seen Boy. Whatever. So the cinematography in this is fucking it beautiful. truly spectacular because he's yeah. able to like you know those those aerial shots where he just gets the vast area and really shows you like these boys, these two guys are just going through the trenches. And um, I, I like that a lot. And obviously seeing like from the other side, you have these forces that are coming after them and trying to find them. I just liked how it all came about. Dude, uh, and the culmination in the end, they're yeah. like getting hunted down by an entire military force <laughs> trying to get this kid. Like mm -hmm. in re when in reality, he very much wants to be out there with this guy. And there mm -hmm. it's all this narrative being painted by, this bitch who works for the child protective service yeah, who you just don't like from the beginning. She's, she's, yeah, I don't really like her. Though. That's the point. But I thought she was hilarious. Yeah, Dude, come on. The moment where she saw Ricky Baker from across the gorge and she's like, she's trying to get down the hill a little bit. And she's like, wait, you stay right there. We're going to come around and we're going to get you. And then there's also the part where uh, she like runs in and like hugs him. And she's like, I got the package. I got the package. And she's like, someone give me your taser. And they're like, <laughs> we're done. And you're not a cop. So what are you doing? She was, uh, she was over the top. Yeah, but exactly. it works. But it really works, in my um, opinion, especially because it starts off so serious. 
and like those, when she's dropping off Ricky. Yeah, and those scenes like when her with her on the news, and I think that's just a little no sprink, the sprinkles of political commentary in there, but without like he's really good oh, about sure. adding those subtle subtlety to the messages and keeping you know keeping the focus on the main on the main totally. heart of, yeah. the, of the film. So yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, I do also want to mention the like I said you. We we kind of teased it, but like the scene with Reese Darby and Psycho Sam, <laughs> I think we were caught. We were just saying Bushman to each other for like three weeks straight because we thought it was just absolutely such a memorable character and yeah. and and a performance. Like Reese Darby is a character actor's character <laughs> actor. He loves just doing uh, the wildest shit, and it's I don't know. It's he's like, oh, I got an escape tunnel. I haven't dug it yet. <laughs> Some of the best lines. I, uh, I, I have been saying a lot of quotes because I want to kind of stitch them in. But, uh, but, but besides that, I mean, like we've we we've all said it at least once. The the heart of this story is the relationship between these two characters that are both in their own minds like lone wolves mm -hmm. that found each other, created this pack, and are stronger because of it. And yes. they both, at the end of this movie, this child and this man of an older age have come to realize that. And I think that scene, I love the scene where they're, where he's like, you can come stay with us, mm -hmm. this chick that I met once while we were <laughs> in the woods. And he's like, I'll go get my toothbrush. And then this like sad, just meaningful but like awkward hug and the yeah. movie ends and that's why I, I mean i don't know i think the storytelling in this specifically and the writing from taika watiti is what brings all of these pieces together and gives us like this special movie that it's just we're knocking out good movie after good movie on taika's repertoire it's amazing just hit after hit yeah. and and just eat. And I can understand one. if if some people don't vibe with the mockumentary style of what we do in the shadows, mm -hmm. or they can't get down with like how foreign uh, boy or hunt for the wielder people find because of like the, the New Zealandness of it all. But <laughs> you you can see that the, these films are being structured in a expert way mm -hmm. and the writing and the dialogue and the story are all constructed so thoroughly mm -hmm. that he's able to be as funny as he is and as heartbreaking as he is all together because i mean you just see that that growth and that talent expand more and more and more as he goes on his career i mean you yeah. see you Those see the highlight strengths. you see the highlight of his comedy maybe in thor ragnarok and which we can jump right into because, from there yeah He's been uh, working on his comedy. I mean, he was a, co a comedian before he's he was a director. He's, he's just so funny. funny, but he he has that way of telling such a compelling story with and doing. He's an some expert great at writing. writing. His jokes, a lot of the times, aren't even like the ones that he are writing. It's just the timing of his editing or his cuts or and how his, he structures a scene. His comedy and Reese's comedy. They're they're so compatible with each other too. Oh, very I think true. that's yeah. why. Yeah, that's well. The, in that bush they scene are, specifically. And there's actually, to that note, there's a YouTube video of them taking lie detector tests I did on see each that. other. It's a great scene. So it if you haven't checked movie. that one out, if you if you're a fan of those two. But yeah, but with Thor Ragnarok and his next one, yeah, the, the level of jokes and what he's able to do with the character <laughs> of Thor is quite possibly the biggest turn any character in a comic book movie history has ever taken. Like, think about this outside the scope of the MCU. Have you ever had a character 
with a movie inside of a franchise that has had two installments that were just okay and then comes in with a third installment that is just skylines higher than the other. I I don't think I can think of anything like that. I, I think we're maybe I, I not come Logan. To question, but I'm maybe not, Logan. Going. Wow, you can you're just you can't just agree with me, bro. That's no, wait, wait. Not, what did you just say? That, I mean, maybe I, that, Logan. If I knew that because of the X Men movies. Was the, statement basically has there ever been a movie like a, a franchise for first a comic book films. character oh. where the first couple of films were like average to first. below par and then you come to the third installment and it's like that much better <laughs> for than like specifically else. comic book yeah yeah only logan in this film yeah, there you go. Both 2017. We're not talking about Logan. We're talking about no. Thor Ragnarok, which is still to this day my favorite MCU movie. This movie is the metal MCU movie. It's, it's hardcore. It's hilarious. It does wonders for the character of Thor and literally made him my favorite character in the MCU. It's going to always have that special place in my heart because as a fan of Marvel these days, Everyone has their comic book that they started with. And the first one that I can ever remember reading is the Planet Hulk storyline, which is a main plot thread in this movie. You, we get to see Hulk being the gladiator the warrior that he is in the ring on Sakaar. Korg is a main character of this. And I could have <laughs> never expected the version of Korg that we were going to get in this movie. And as soon as he talks and as soon as you can just hear his Kiwi accent, that is an absolute amazing uh, character right there. Uh, so Korg, I actually just watched in an interview that um, Taika based his character off of uh, Maori bouncers. Oh, in New Maori? Zealand. Yeah, Ma- Ma- sure. Ma- what is it? Maori? Maori. Maori. Um, so... Yeah, you. I think that's a really good. It, like that makes a so lot like of sense. yeah, super like quiet and soft spoken, but like also it's huge like, and like yeah, re- just would very wreck intimidating, you. but also just like this like the kindest, most considerate um, person that really like wouldn't hurt a fly. Has such a uh, soft like demeanor, like almost like a quiet demeanor. He's like, hi, I'm Korg. This is, I'm kind of the leader around <laughs> this here. Me. This is my friend Miki. Me. He's got knives for hands. <laughs> And yeah, he just brings so much to the camera. Apparently, Korg was going to have like one line and be like a quick cameo in Ragnarok. And then when Taika was like, oh, you're going to let me do a pass? Here, let me just cast myself as this and give him a bunch of words. And like, <laughs> then and Korg becomes like a pretty main character. He was in Endgame. That's like just Taika yeah. making the money. Um, where does this fall on your list, Brent? Ragnarok. For what? For your like top ten MCU whatever, is it? okay, it's top five. Top five. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Just had to make sure. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I mean I I enjoy the fuck out of this movie. Uh, obviously, it rejuvenated not just the character, but it rejuvenated Chris Hemsworth's performance as Thor. But and it allowed him not to feel drowned, like he said it was. And more recently, like he went to Kevin Feige and was like, you know, I need someone that can bring what I feel is the best out of Thor. And he personally chose, you know, Taika to do that. Cause he's seen what the work he did prior in it. Um, and I think both parties worked out for the best. And obviously when we get more into that conversation with what came out this weekend with love and thunder, mm-hmm. you see more of that and mm-hmm. being able to trust one another with what they both can do um, performance wise and um, stylistically wise with Taika's direction. And so this film is, is, you know, fantastic, especially with, 
Kate Planchette playing Hella, and oh yeah, and we get Tom Hiddleston back as Loki. Um, mm-hmm. I think everything with what the story brought to us, where we were in the MCU and where we were going, was a really good, good pin, uh, midpoint. And I couldn't be more great. Like that's why it's a top five for me. I oh mean, yeah, it, it, it dude. It's what a, more haven't we said about it? You it's know, a perfect right. cliffhanger. Uh, and and to those like there are definitely people out there that like think it's too jokey. And to that, I say that's dumb because they, <laughs> they deliver like a lot of emotional weight. Dude loses his whole planet and like a yeah. lot of like all the things that he knew and loved and, and his like father. Ha- and his father. And there's a lot of character growth, but also they're just firing the jokes at you and they consistently land. So yeah. why that's not a problem. And I like that. That's kind of the tone that they're taking going forward in the MCU as a whole. They're really letting the the directors take like control and make their own like versions of these movies. Right. Like how much Sam Raimi had his um, footprint totally on the new um, Doctor Strange. Um, Taika's fingerprints are all over this movie and with how mm-hmm. funny it is. And it's so um, unique to him. <clears throat> like, you know, I don't think we would have got the tragedy of Loki with Matt Damon um, and Liam. From any right. other, there's not a it, single other director that would do something no. to that effect. Well, okay, that had well, to have been his when idea. you say that, though, no other story makes sense to do that. Loki is the god of mischief. That's, That's true. why it works. With it works this. awesome. Because oh, Matt Damon's super mischievous. And he, like to Brett's point, he hits the great character moments in this movie as well. Um, I thought that the scenes with Odin in New Zealand, that was New Zealand, right? No, that's no, like that's, Denmark. Or or that's yeah. wherever they it's, land um, New Asgard yeah. in the later. Film. I don't know why I'm like not remembering where exactly that is, but uh, yeah, no. So those scenes um, in Greek, Greenland, Iceland, I don't remember. Wait. I think he shoots most stuff I think in New Zealand. Is oh, it, I, was it, it might, actually in New Zealand? It might be in New Zealand, but I think it's supposed to be like Denmark or Holland or some okay. like more. Well, it's Asgard, but. Well, it's Swedish. Or yeah. not Swedish, but it's in that no, in that like more Netherlands area. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I thought that it was some it was really cool setting and um, Odin calling Loki his son. Um, his his moments with Loki or Thor's yeah. moments with Loki, like in the elevator, talking about how like he always saw himself fighting alongside him, and then just over the years, Loki's just been a yeah. dick. Like yeah. they're just like, you've just been a fucking asshole and I can never trust you. And then in the last moment, he still fucking betrays him. Yeah. Even though he, I mean, yeah, yeah but he then saw he, it, he, he, it was he, like yeah, a triple yeah, exactly. mind game, duh, triple cross. I know. And, but uh, yeah, that's the great, that's the great Thor stuff. That's like, it's a great Taika Waititi movie and a great Thor movie. Absolutely. And that's, what's so amazing about that. Yeah. That's, those are the best of the MCU. In my opinion is when it can be two things. oh it's great and um mark ruffalo is great fantastic this is the best this is the best hulk a movie has ever seen (laughs) he is the perfect amount of ferocity and intelligence because this is like him and the hulk for a couple of years the hulk is learning a little bit of like speaking and better language (laughs) skills so he can talk but he's finally like me hulk me Hulk's strongest uh, Avenger, like fire, like oh, Hulk, yeah, fire, like, like raging fire. fire. <laughs> that stuff is amazing, dude. It is the best the Hulk has ever been, and you get the stuff with Banner where you get this new thing where he's has this fear that if he ever turns back into the Hulk, yeah. he can't come back. I'm in the Hulk and back and years. forth, so he gets that fantastic moment on the bridge, which 
Oh, any again, any other director would have him come land and as the Hulk and, and get the just, big yeah. uh, applause. Uh, applause moment. In this one, they make Ruffalo flop <laughs> hard onto the rainbow bridge and then bounce. And then you get the big moment. And that's the Taika Watiti difference. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And the um, I like how Thor was playing both sides. Of Banner and Hulk, I thought that was a hilarious comedic like, no, moment. I'm much yeah, for you, <laughs> yeah. I prefer Banner's you. puny science, oh, no, science guy. Oh no! Like oh, and then, Hulk, and then I, Banner, I don't like that guy. Banner's like, oh, you're just trying to use me for the Hulk. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> oh man, I mean, we could just we could just oh, keep going oh, and the movie. Uh, sun's going down or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> the best. Yes, that is one of the be- better parts. I love that they're trying to. He, he's like, come on. He sun's knows, going down. He's like, he knows that's the thing. It's like they had this relationship. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's my friend from work. It's so great. Um, and I mean, I don't know. You can, I can, this uh, favorite MCU movie, dude. I feel like I talked about this we had on several podcasts. Exactly. Yeah. So I've definitely already given my thing. Uh, so Austin, is there? Oh, Jeff Goldblum, though. <laughs> yep. The Grandmaster is one of the <laughs> all time characters. Doing dude, Jeff Goldblum. It's literally <laughs> Jeff Goldblum being weird space Jeff Goldblum. It's fucking amazing. Like- uh, but but my favorite part is you can see this person in this world, the Grandmaster, being yeah. the brother of the Collector, and because they are in the comics, uh, oh. Benicio del Toro's character from Guardians and the End of Thor, uh, the Dark World. Their like costume design even matches a little bit, exactly, like, or mirrors yeah. a little bit. There's like a whole conflict. There's a it's a, a, a comic run called Tournament of Champions where the collector and the grandmaster choose fighters and they're like mm. earth they just pick which of earth's mightiest heroes and villains they want to pit up against each other in like this battle arena it's actually one of my favorite comics because of like how many characters you get to see go up against each other um but getting to see jeff goldblum just go fucking full goldblum <laughs> on this movie just playing his weird synth and using yeah. his melty stick and hanging out with Rachel House, who's like constantly just trying to murder everyone. It's he so a, fun. This movie a, is so fun. A ship for for his orgies. He does have an orgy <laughs> ship. And uh, I mean, like I said, by the time you get to the like end sequence where the big fight with Hela and Thor's lost an eye and he's like truly become the god of thunder yeah. and fucking immigrant song is chugging on in the background. Yeah. That the movie takes off like that scene where he's jumping down with the lightning, dude. Put that on a poster and slap that shit on a wall. That is art. That is that is film incarnate. And again, For I sure. love how they end this movie with the destruction of Asgard because it's making not only Thor grow, but like the whole Asgard as a people have to just move on and realize that like them being together is what's important. Unfortunately, half of them fucking die in the next couple of minutes or in the next few weeks uh, from when the end of Ragnarok is because it would be like moments. I think it was a couple of days. (laughs) No, the ship popped up right at the end of the teaser. Yeah. The ship, Thanos ship pops up right at the end. Yeah, that but where like, is the, but there's a cut between the, tra- when there's oh, the trailers, we don't know if there's a little time jump. It could have been like that. What, cause think about this, maybe it was rolling up on Asgard to get the Tesseract because like that. Mm. So it could very well be, they just left the planet and now they're fucking half dead. But they also <laughs> need the time to get Valkyrie and Korg off the ship. 
because we learned that they survived with half of Asgard to set up the the new Asgard homestead. So I think there's a couple of days. We've talked too much about this. Let's we can we can t- go ahead and move <laughs> on because we will be talking more about the character of Thor. <clears throat> yeah, it was a lot. And we will talk about what I know. I said that I think what we do in the shadows is my favorite Taika Waititi movie, but I was I was waiting for this. I don't think that's accurate. Right, my favorite movie, no, my favorite no. movie of 2019, and I think what is oh, Taika oh, Waititi's best movie oh, wow, is Jojo yeah. Rabbit. Okay, yeah. this movie takes everything this man has learned throughout his career of making films and it was so ever present because i watched his stuff in order this time Mm -hmm. and he's injected in in this film his comedy skills Mm -hmm. his coming of age uh, writing skills his ability to use subtle foreshadowing is in this film his familial relationships like his broken family relationships like with the single mother and his and the one child is amazing Everything he does in this movie is handled so perfectly. And Jojo Rabbit is what I think should have won the best picture in 2019. Brent, what do you think about that? Uh, it's like in 12th place. That's you're lying. No, I'm not. It's what I have it right. You put it in. You're a bitch. That's so for, long. for that for 2019. 11th, 11th, 11th place. Let me see that out of the top 10. Oh my. Oh no, there's no. Well, I like oh, that. you motherfucker putting that movie in front of Jojo Rabbit. Which one? The Portrait of a Lady. Give me one oh. second and delete. There we go. It's decent. Uh, no, that movie's terrible. Uh, if only one you didn't have audience. to read it. One person audience. That's sorry. great. Uh, but back to like a good movie, a movie about like this boy who has just blind passion and faith in the Third Reich because <laughs> that's just what he's been brought up to learn. And Taika Waititi does this thing where he takes maybe one of the most touchy of subjects, World War II and the death of millions of Jewish people at the hands of Adolf Hitler and the Nazis and creates a funny, heartwarming story about like this boy who's learning to grow up in Germany and like becoming the person that he'll go on to be later in life. And that's fucking incredible. It's satire to the the like, like highest degree. It's amazing. It's an, an absolutely... And like the music and everything, I could, you guys need to talk. Cut me off. So you you haven't mentioned it yet, but this is the film that got Taika his Oscar for best screenplay. I was about yes. to say that yeah. screenplay for adapted screenplay, mm-hmm. right? Because um, jo- well, Jojo Rabbit is like a kid's it's, it's, book. Yeah, it's very loosely connected to what he ended up making. Mm-hmm. The real yeah. book it gets much sadder and much darker, and uh-huh. it doesn't have the light comedic tone. Um, I believe he was talking about that. So I think yes. that's definitely big credit to him. He kind of downplayed it a little bit in the wired autocomplete. Like he was like, Oh, sure. I just, uh, um, you know, adapted a book, you know, how easy is that? But no, I mean, this was no small feat, right? It never is when you're trying to adapt anything either. And especially, I mean, the thing that I found enjoyable about this film is that it, it has probably one of the hardest, um, draw a cat like a genre to pull from given its landscape with being in world war ii and hitler and yeah all of that yeah. shit and so he's it's able a to war take movie a light, and a comedy <laughs> like he takes the light tone to it and it makes you have a you know a, there's a good time while watching that and his little friend is so cute you oh, remember dude, the little yeah. friend? shout out shout out rowan griffin davis and archie yates uh yoki and jojo <laughs> respectively literally these two boys are going places funny enough they both went on to do like weird christmas movies but i think they'll have good careers going forward uh no archie yates is in the weird home alone remake and we don't jo- talk about that and then joe uh, rowan 
is in Silent Nights with Kira Knightley that I actually ended up watching. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but them in this movie absolutely work perfectly. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rowan Griffin Davis, you see throughout the entire movie. He's Sam like, Rockwell. He's the guy you fit well. Where I'm going. Okay. I'm going to okay. get to that. Okay. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about how, like, you're 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 seeing the story through this character of JoJo's eyes, and you're also seeing his imaginary version of Hitler. That is his only friend, really, besides like Yoki, because he is a lonely little boy in this world during World War Two. So he's imagined that Hitler is going to be his best friend. And this version <laughs> of Hitler is played by a half Jewish New Zealand man that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> did very little research when he was yeah. researching the character he was playing. Yeah. I mean, but the way he plays him, dude. The, he bounces back from like lovably hilarious to like truly terrifying yeah. when he's like getting into can, some of his like long like modeling and speeches stuff. and yelling at JoJo. raising his voice. But I love just every time he's interacting with Jojo when he's in the real world, not just like the what are you burning moment. And he's uh, when he screams at the mom or when he's just swimming in the pool underneath everyone when in that one scene in like his weird like swim cap. Like so many just little funny moments that are just breaking up what is, again, a heartbreaking coming of age story because mainly because of the excellent performance for the majority of the beginning of the film from Scarlett Johansson. Uh, I am going to spoil this movie because I'd love to talk about it, but Scarlett Johansson should have won the Oscar also for this movie. Laura Dern was an okay lawyer in that fucking movie. Brett, marriage story just... But Laura Brett, Dern was not the best on. part of that movie in any way, shape, yeah, or form. But, but as also- supporting? Yes. But... But no, but like Brett, what is this? What is, is rivals right here? That's Brett. fine. Marriage what is Jojo story. Rabbit without the performance of Scarlett Johansson? Still Jojo Rabbit. It's but it's not nearly as special and impactful Her because there's not nearly as awesome. of an emotional I would, beat. I would say I don't. Tom, I don't think you can throw Tom just Tom any McKenzie actor. Played more of a crucial character to where Jojo was needing the, a navigation through. The only thing that uh, no, I think I think no, providing that father. Like to, to understand the whole father part of things. And like that was a good scene there. where she put yeah, on the, had, the beard and she was flipping. Well, no, there was that scene. There was the scene at when they were like right before they were riding bikes where they were like talking about their like political differences and their ideolo- ideologies about the war. And that's the scene where they're subtly also showing you her feet and the shoes to set up for that moment later when you see the shoes again in the middle of the town square. And like, that's what I'm saying though. That, it's like, but isn't that a credit to his direction though? It is, it, no, it absolutely well, is. A, it absolutely it is. But you have to care for the character at first. It's and also like a, the performance and the lovable, like goofiness that she brings to the performance is something that is, I think very much Scarlett Johansson. It was also a, a homage shot to Schindler's List with what? Oh, with the yes, little, the little absolutely. The red jacket. It, was, it was the red. Was absolutely. The red. There was there was a significant nod right there. And uh, I've talked about this movie on a separate podcast. So if you'd like to go listen to the real views, I have more to say about this and different aspects of that specific scene. But I just think that I don't disagree that Thompson McKenzie brings a fuck ton to this movie because she's also really fantastic as just like this. You you can tell she's just been beaten down throughout this whole war and she's like literally she's hiding, hiding inside yeah. of a wall mm-hmm. and she is using her like clearer knowledge of what is going on in the world 
to fuck with JoJo throughout <laughs> the entire movie. And but you you tell you can tell she finally falls for the kid. Just, maybe not in the way that he's falling for her in the romantic way, but she sees like a brotherly familial love with Jojo and you can tell by the end and like mm-hmm. especially the scene well, where they kind of get to be the sister at the end a little no bit. they're not really together like, I wouldn't say that I think well, he he has a crush on her in a little bit of like a romantic they, way no he definitely how, does I like how you say that though because at the end there's that really great cover of the David Bowie song yeah he, uh, he, oh, oh he's so, dude, heroes right yeah yes yeah. but so many I uh, love how so many songs on the soundtrack are in German just to add that like extra yeah. like level of uh um sincerity not sincerity but like uh, immersiveness there it is yeah. thank you yes that is the perfect word the immersion level um so i i really i do i love so many aspects of this movie wasn't but... there that line where he's like uh taika hitler is like she took your she took your knife or whatever. Oh, That's such a I'm so butchering many. the accent. She's like, she I, took dude, your knife or whatever. <laughs> well, no, and there's also the Gestapo guys that oh, like the, they were great. the Steve or the Stephen Merchant who is like, oh, you see, where is your knife and whatnot? And then she has to pretend to be Jojo's well, sister and, and everything. And Sam Rockwell protects him too. Sam Rockwell moment. is the oh goat. yeah, I fucking yeah. love Sam Rockwell. God damn it, he's so good in this movie. Because he he's clearly so a homosexual. Good like they're definitely movie. leaning in that realm of the world, even if he doesn't know it at the time. But he subconsciously doesn't he, align with the ideas of the Nazi party. Yeah. And he's already pissed off enough that he can't lead his own ranks because of the shit with his eye. So you see him being this like more humbled, like caring guy to Jojo throughout the entire film. And in the end, giving that ultimate sacrifice of his life to protect him is amazing. And all the youth. I mean, he was, he was helping out all the youth Mm -hmm. too. And so not specific, but specific to Jojo, but really was there when Jojo needed him. And And he was also a fantastic comedic relief. And you had, uh, you had, uh, I can't remember his name, but his name in the movie was Freddie Finkel, his little assistant boy. It was guy from Game of Thrones. Yes, yeah, he is the guy from Game of Thrones, but I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But yeah, he was always good for a good uh, joke. Rebel Wilson was actually kind of funny, even though a lot of her stuff (laughs) doesn't land quite as well as like everyone else's jokes. But I still think she's like when she was like, I had 18 children for Germany. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, But yeah, so much, so much, so much. Yeah. One last I guess the thing is that the foreshadowing with the shoes, um, that also is attributed. Or ugh, I'm messing up my words, but I'm was bleh, what I'm trying to say is uh, his use of color. Taika, oh yeah, is, his, his like, and that comes back. Yeah, into this play is another in, gorgeously um, shot film as well. Like absolutely with the grayscapes of the war um, zone, but then and juxtapose that against the red shoes um, and everything, and mm-hmm. how bleak everything's so bleak and the future is so uncertain with everything in Germany. And I think that really comes out with the, with the way everything is set um, with the settings and um, the, and he's he's very attention to detail. I was going to say, I would be pretty excited to see if he ever wanted to go back in time and like tell a story that because the production he brought to this really makes you um, submersive into that world again. And even like how the tone was, he still was able to present it in a, in good nature. 
And, and like we were saying, like the whole satire part of it, like it's, it's done very well. And, and I will say like, I was not like excited. I was happy that he got the Oscar because it, the Academy recognized the film more than what it was trying to tell. It, it recognized a lot. And they of don't ever they, really recognize comedies either. Exactly. And this is a full force comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like a step away from a parody film. I mean, it's obviously satirical in the situation it's in, but like there there's so many things that it's like poking fun at from that era in time and like just how stupid people thought the Nazis were. It's like a little middle <laughs> yeah. finger to the Nazis. And they're probably if you don't know already. Right. No one else who could have played that role of imaginary Hitler. Sure. I don't think Dude, so. it was and so funny and the, and those those are the funniest moments cuz like I said, it's it, not all the jokes are just things he said. It's like when they cut to him and he's eating the meat of a unicorn head. Yeah. And it's just like outrageous stuff you're seeing. <laughs> or at the end where he's like Come on, just hile me, man. Just come on, just give me, give me one little hile, and then he kicks him out the window. And a good, uh, also a good comedy scene was when the Gestapo um, people are going through JoJo's notebook, or when they're or like was... Heil Hitlering everyone. He was oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were just Heil Hitlering the boy, and so then we were Heil Hitlering you. I, I guess you're right. That this is a comedy through and through, hundred um, percent, and. Because it's like it never they it never lets the joke get in the way of the emotional beat that it wants to hit. Mm -hmm. But the emotional beats are just as strong as the comedic beats. And like I said, this is Taika being able to hit both of the ends of the spectrum. He's got the the comedy and the tragedy on lock. And this is the kind of movie that like if you're if you're willing to like accept that like humanity and goodness and humor can be found in the most tragic of situations like the Nazis and world war two, then this is the movie like for you, this is going to be right up your alley. And I think more people should watch this movie because it's a perfect example of like, Hey, maybe just take things less seriously. Or just like enjoy life. Right. And And you don't have to be a victim of false belief either. Her. That's also true, dude. I love what they do with JoJo's whole character a, growth a, of a real of like realizing that, like, hey, maybe the stuff that I've just been spoon-fed for my adolescent life isn't quite what I need to or isn't quite fact. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be surprised if like given how the last like couple of years would be where like you can kind of get this tone done again based on like what we've had through culture where it can repeat itself and Taika doing a tone like that is still well. I would well never, received. yeah, I would never want a, like a sequel in that sense. No, no, or like not a sequel, off. but I'm just saying like it, there, but, there are moments in history where we could pull from just what we had I, with JoJo. If they, if it wasn't like, I, I would say yes, if it's not like a coming of age story that's being told, if they, if they like go down a whole different route, like maybe a spy thriller, but also with that comedic level of, of tone. Now I'm just describing it smart. <laughs> really i think I, so i don't, I don't know, know why that like after i said can... that thing it just shot in my brain no i thought just something of that nature some some like kind of other genre with comedic that, there's good material that they could pull from that well, absolutely like, it doesn't have to just be taika playing passion Hitler. of the christ directed by taika watiti as him, him playing <laughs> jesus christ uh, or that's or, not going to be controversial <laughs> in any way shape or form or what about like a like a wes anderson uh, Wes Anderson, Passion of the Ted Christ, Bund- presents Ted Bundy. Okay, <laughs> folks, here we are. We've made it. It's been a long and hard journey, but we are here at Bre- the subject of Brent and Brett and Austin go to the movies because we got to go see 
the newest Taika Waititi film, a guy we have never talked about before. I've never even <laughs> yeah. heard of this fucking Who fool. Is that? <laughs> Who the fuck is even this guy? Uh, but he is he has had its second opportunity to direct something inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is like his fourth appearance inside the MCU, if I'm counting right, because of, of Infinity, Infinity War. War and what are you talking about? Maybe that's it. Maybe three. Anyways, yeah. uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. We Thor is back. We got Natalie Portman back. We got Korg back. We got Valkyrie back. We got No Hulk, which was a real bummer. But he's going to be <laughs> yeah. in the She Hulk show. No Loki. And no Loki, because these motherfuckers got their own TV shows. Apparently, mm-hmm. they think they're too good for these movies. Um, I want to start off the bat with saying I am. Not super sure with how I'm feeling about phase four as a whole because they're doing the thing. Oh, I got my notes like phase one. Oh, you got this in your notes? Well, I mean, I've had this in my notes every time we talk about the phase fucking four. <laughs> it's not that it's not working out, it's that we're getting something that feels like phase one now after getting phase three. So let me let me explain what I'm trying to say. We, when we were introduced to Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Captain America, we got four movies that felt like stylistically individual and the vision of the directors that were making the film at the time. And those went on to fe- become this more comprehensive universe that went on through Temple. into phase two and phase Avengers three. And stuff. Now that we're post endgame, I feel like we are reverting back to the style of phase one where we're giving these projects to directors like Chloe Zhao and Sam Raimi and now Taika Waititi, where they are giving them the free reign to make projects inside of that style and like their style. But I don't think I think I'm seeing a lot of like mixed fan reception and a lot of people that are not happy with the way the MCU is panning out for phase four. And like, I'm loving the movies that we're getting, but I can under, I'm loving the movies that we're getting. You can have your own opinions, buddy. You liked the Eternals, didn't you? That was one you enjoyed. Yeah, but still like phase four, I'll let you finish your spiel. What I'm trying to get to is that phase four doesn't have its connective through line yet. And that's what everyone is waiting for. They're waiting for Kevin Feige to pull the trigger on the project that is going to be like, oh, this is why all of this happened in these movies. And now we're leading on to something bigger. And until we have that, I don't think that people are going to be able to watch these movies in the way that they watch something like the phase one or phase two movies now, because they know what those lead up to. Does that make Does that make sense? Because there were so many teasers with like Nick Fury and stuff, right? Exactly. Because that, the they were the movie. They utilized the the end credit scene to its fullest, and now the end credit scene has just become a joke. But the issue with, and I mean, this was the big thing I was teasing earlier. But like, I, I heard this. I, I do want to say I love this movie. I really loved. <laughs> well, Thor, we're just, we're talking about but this four. is this is this four. is my gripes that I have with Phase Four and MCU yeah. and the MCU as a general right now. It's like. With what Austin was just saying, like how in the previous phases where each film they had a teaser and they, you know, invented the whole uh, stay after the credits. We have a teaser for you that kind of gives you what the next film is going to be. They didn't about. invent it, but they definitely mainstreamed did, it because they, they would. Didn't they invent I feel it? like they invented. Ferris Bueller. They remember the oh, Deadpool what? one? That's in. A, that's originally something that's, that Ferris that Bueller did. He's like, oh, anything. he goes, oh, that's, why are you still here? It's not a teaser. You are correct. It's not a teaser. Right. It's, I, it's the first thing that I, they that was. That I know was the Pirate, first movie Pirates I ever Caribbean. saw. Didn't Pirates of the that Caribbean has like an end credit scene? Pirates of the Caribbean did it a couple films. 
Sure. It I think so. Some character points. But, it, yeah. but no, Bar- but like, Barbosa walking down the stairs, I think, was after like the mid credits. Yeah, but you, but at the end of Curse of Black Pearl, you had the monkey that oh, showed that. Right. The, it wasn't, I do oh. remember that. So, yeah, it was it, so, Marvel, Marvel mainstream. Okay. Yeah. So, with, uh, with phase four, we've had a lot of teaser scenes uh, that have introduced really big new characters that are supposed to kind of like swoop in and be like, oh, this is the next threat. But at the same time, these films haven't been successively reviewed, uh, received through the critics. Uh, it hasn't made a lot of money. And that mm. is one of those issues that you're kind of seeing where like, we're going to throw Harry Styles at the end of Eternals and he's going to be ego, but like <laughs> Eternals comes out and no one cared for the movie that much. I mean, I thought it was a well done achievement there uh, for what it was trying to capture. You know, what's so funny is the critical reception of Eternals and audience reception uh, made me put off seeing it for so long. Mm-hmm. And when I finally went on $5 Tuesday, yeah. I was like surprised because I found myself really kind of liking yeah. it. <laughs> no, it, I like that actor who plays Alfred in Atlanta a lot. Yes. Um, and oh, just yeah. all, all the actors in that in Eternals work. And the whole thing was, I thought, pretty interesting. No, I, I enjoyed. <laughs> no, I certainly enjoyed that film. And then like with how each of these, I don't want to go fully in like all of them, but like each of the films we've had in phase four, they tease something different. And immediately following that, we're not sure if it's there's any, you know, uh, Bro, thin line that's going to connect. The connectivity. It. I think nearly every single MCU Phase Four end credit scene has been the same. They've been different. The, no, 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 no. What do you mean? L- think Wait, about what? The, listen. No. The, the first talk did you? Start? The mid credit scene sets up a new character that oh. is going forward into the MCU. Hercules in Love and Thunder. Uh, Spoiler. Uh, uh, right. We'll, we'll get to it. Harry Styles in the Eternals. The Black Knight in Shang in Shang Chi debatable, and Blade He's now doing John and Snow. Blade. He's gonna be busy doing John and, Snow. Now. Well, but Blade is also a, a, a teaser in that. And then, um, well, you oh, so you have uh, Clea and, and then Clea and, and Doctor Strange too. And yeah. then at the Venom. end end credit scene, it's all it's either a joke or some fucking and trailer then, or some like, throwaway thing. You have Venom in No Way Home. Well, I was gonna say yeah. No Way Home established right. it's that it's all, morbid time. Oh my <laughs> God. Nice. There, there's the, the beacon scene. i guess we're gonna name all of them but there's the beacon single signal and shang chi that we haven't yet found what that source is from we also see oh Hulk wait what scene. happened at the end of shang chi i can't remember they received the with the 10 rains they found out that there was a, a beacon that was sitting yeah, there they, they were teasing that they had and captain because... marvel and hulk were there but they were unsure of where it was coming right from. exactly yeah. and so yeah maybe that's something we haven't had yet but it's just it's kind of getting tiring we're like you know every phase we had in one and two was like teasing thanos small small pieces right. but it was a lot like we got to see the introduction of wandavision quicks over at the end of one and immediately get them in the next film there was a lot that was teased and we're still like not there. and you know the they haven't always been done perfectly like i don't love that the ant-man one was literally just a scene from captain america civil war when it was the scene where they found bucky Mm-hmm. and sam wilson and then you see that scene literally in the movie next so that's not my favorite and i fucking the hate trailer. the one that was just for no way home that was just the fucking doctor strange trailer just give what? us a regular trailer you oh, stupid idiots yeah. and give us a stupid i'd rather have a fucking joke end credit scene than that yeah and just a whole ass trailer yeah but all that being said, there I think one more you forgot. I might as well just say it. Which one? In, in Black Widow, we get the introduction of oh. Florence Pugh is going to return to kill Hawkeye. 
Well, Ooh, that one, the Hawkeye well, series that, I like. Yeah, I and that one, say. that one got the uh, that I one at least got brought uh, full circle to the TV shows. Yeah, but they had this TV. That they, is a problem. The what? whole I don't know. I know you guys touched on Go this with the um the multiverse of madness here. episode. <laughs> you guys it. touched on this with the multiverse of madness episode, but the fact that there's so much character building in the show that you have to just take that that leap of faith or mm-hmm. whatever that that happened it makes no sense when you look at it in the movie mm-hmm. um and you know the black widow i, I haven't seen black widow because i don't know oh, because oh, of its I res- enjoy it because it's it's like a spy thriller a jason yeah. spy thriller led by Scarlett i might get to it at mm-hmm. some point but yeah i don't know I I, this is the first i heard that it teased the show oh, the hawkeye oh, show oh, yeah, yes, and the yes, fact that all that is happening into and well, uh, and so it, anyway and that, that, i think also, that's a the hawkeye show you, but you know what I think the major problem is? I think the, it's there's a, a lot. There's a lot that Kevin Feige doesn't know when to introduce the new. It's threat, not, but or... it's not even that. It's that the pandemic has shifted around this release schedule that so did, much that, that the, it's kind of shuffling. Like we were supposed to get Doctor oh, Strange before we got No uh, Way Home, so we were going to introduce multiverses before No Way Home, and then the multiverse stuff in that movie. We were supposed to get Florence Pugh in black widow before we got to see uh or no we were supposed to see captain america falcon it falcon and the winter soldier race Dreyfus's character before oh. we saw her we were supposed to see black that widow. character before we saw the end credit scene of black widow who she is the one that tells so there's some Ilana, the, the, chronolo- the chronological it got shifted because of necessity bit. and that i think is also hurting face that's form. hurting it but absolutely this whole conversation has been yeah, just Thor, so Thor we can round back out and like Thor. Yeah. Thor even moved his place. And honestly, I think what's going to, because of where it moved inevitably have a massive wound at the box office next week. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been preaching that for, I time. mean, the Marvel cinematic universe is known for their drop-offs, but I think this is literally going to be the historically highest. You don't think anyone's showing out next week. I, no, I, dude, I, just I'll looking at how like, I made that's this. so funny. And just seeing how the like, attendance was this weekend it doesn't look well also promising. and like and how you're exactly how you're saying off that point like when dr strange 2 came out and you saw how it was doing at all these some records, point we do have to talk about the, the movie i just want to make that clear <laughs> there was there was nothing else in theaters so everyone saw Doctor exactly 100 percent accurate and, and yeah. people now you had no competition coming to see that you had the sam raymond crowd you had the this the week you crowd. have elvis yeah. you have top gun maverick for still. its seventh week minions. you have minions because all oh, the gentle yeah. minions are showing up jurassic still world jurassic still world money. is still oh, making money yeah with the dinosaur movies so like there is hefty competition for thor and like literally what did it what wasn't like Firestarter come out when fucking yeah when oh, fucking doctor's range came his, out that was his biggest threat yeah i think so i mean with going into thor love and thunder i mean mm. the film thor's competing big time with black phone just one Oh <laughs> yeah, it's, okay. it's taking a little bit of it, but like Sorry, go so no, you're good. So the domestic box office for Thor Eleven Thunder was 143 million, which comes in at uh, third uh this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, mm. of course, like everything I want to read on it. Um, and it's it underperformed. Like a couple people were kind of projecting the higher end of the 150, 160, and it didn't get that. But I mean, it had a pretty good um cinema score, but it did not have a good uh Rotten Tomatoes or every other critic score, like a lot yeah. of people. The are not uh, new the Thor right movie thing. did not get a good critical. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I've seen lots of divisive opinions about this. And I think the a critics are just getting fatigued. These people got to watch everything. And when they got to watch the same Marvel movies over and over again, I mean, I, I kind of understand that. But like the, the, the fans are receiving it very well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that is a good thing. 
I mean, this some people see this. I've seen people talking about conflicting character things like with Thor, like the fact that he destroyed that he kind of like wanted to help those people. But then he ended at the very beginning and then he destroyed um, their very sacred, um, you know, their building or whatever. And that was kind of like that reckless Thor that was the older Thor. And you think that maybe he's matured a little bit past that. That was something someone online so, said, and I was like, well, "So that kind of, I, I kind of like thought a- about this, but I also think this Thor it, that we see post Endgame is a very different Thor than we saw at any of the movies beforehand. Agreed. After he's gone through the ringer mentally and emotionally, he's kind of like not all there. Exactly, he's a little bit exactly. like exactly yeah. Thor, and, and and it shows because he's constantly trying to like joke out. and subvert and using the comedy aspects of this film as something as like a deflection mechanism whenever he's like feeling like he doesn't want to talk about the serious <laughs> matters in the film and that's where a lot of the comedic bits come from and that's very very naturally feeling and that's again that's taika being the expert expert comedy writer that he is um I would say, dude, as a whole, this movie is like, it's electric. It's, it's like super fast. The pacing is too quick. And I <laughs> but think it doesn't feel rushed, but it doesn't feel rushed. And I think that it could have been, they could have like used an extra 20, 30 minutes to really flesh out some more stuff with Valkyrie. I would think would have been better. I think, the, but uh, the four hour cuts, apparently just a bunch more jokes. I don't know. I just think a lot of the little uh, subplots got rushed, but like the main stuff, the main focus with Thor and him uh, having to cope with like Jane being back and him having to like see her use his hammer. That stuff's all done. Fucking awesome. I love that stuff. The resolution between um, the relationship of Thor and Jane Foster is a huge strength, I think, to it. Because they they basically took what they set up in Thor 1 and 2. which was set up pretty poorly. Um, I mean, I guess. Like, I think we got a better. We got a better. No, we got a better look at Thor and Jane's relationship in the like little Korg narrated <laughs> yeah. uh, rom com portion of the film, <laughs> where we're just seeing them like di- drift apart and then like not be <laughs> yeah. together, and then we see the note that because again, that's like I said with Eagle versus Shark Man, this is Taika using his prior uh, Mm. performances and his prior work and injecting that weird editing style and rom-com tendency that he he did in that film and putting it in this movie. And it works so well. Because this is, this, this is just like Phase 4 keeps wanting to have films that are first, like Doctor Strange is the MCU's first horror movie. Uh, Shang-Chi was its first martial arts movie. This is its first rom-com for sure. Wait. Oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah. Okay. No, it yeah. Yeah. For, I mean for beat for beat because it gives um 100% it's a romantic it, comedy. It gives a lot of Natalie Portman as Wait, between him and the Hammer? Mighty Thor. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. dude, I, I love I, that. This has been the bit. the point of argument. I think that joke ran its toll I faster and I, I got more. more tired of it than the screaming goats. I love the yeah. goats. What were you saying about Natalie? But it's but like with her presence on this on the screen, it definitely gave the the elevated the chemistry that we've had from the previous two entries. And I mean, Natalie Portman is a, just a fantastic actress on her own merit. Mm-hmm, sure. And so, like for them to be able to work together again, and you get the com, the rom com aspect to it yeah. that Taika handles really well. And I love that they didn't waste time reestablishing it, it, her it, yeah. into the universe. Yeah. She was just like around, and she had cancer, mm-hmm. and the the hammer 
the hammer was calling to her because Thor whispered to it once and was like, protect her always. And it's and like, it, boom, story. We're good. That, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of. OK, so he it. wanted the hammer to protect her. But when she became the God of Thunder, it was actually accelerating the, the her can, cancer. Can, it was it was can, it was the magic of like the Norse. Mule, yeah, the, the, the like the the power that the hammer was giving her was draining her mortal energy and not allowing her, her to so the cancer. The, it was so basically it was like hardly. I mean, it, it was, was getting no, no. It's it just was, like a little bit of like a. It was making her body immortal, and in that case, it was rejecting the chemo that was mm-hmm, going sure. through and trying to fight the virus that was in her. So it was accelerating her can- cancer in that way. Now the thing, uh, so with Natalie Portman coming back, it, um, the reason why she hasn't been in the previous ones and when I was like, uh, she originally had Patty Jenkins on to direct Thor two. Oh yeah, and then Marvel fired her and changed a lot of that story, and so. Portman was really pissed off about it, so she basically stepped away from gotcha. from returning to Jeez. any of the Thor, yeah. Thor films. And at that point, that's when Chris Hemsworth was like, "We need to reimagine the character." And so, gotcha. yeah, he did. Uh, Hemsworth on was threatening it. on quitting. He was like, "I don't want to come loved, back." He loves the character. He, he loves it now, that. but he was saying, "I, I wasn't. He, he wasn't going to come back unless they made the change." And it doesn't mm. help seeing Iron Man with Downey Jr. getting really good films, and it doesn't help with Chris Evans getting the right touch to right. play Captain and America. Thor just kind of being. And, the, Thor being left alone in Civil War. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. he was like, I want to be a part of this. I'm still, like, in, you know, yeah. Thor is still a very vital character of the story you're trying to tell. And the only way you do it is by, you know, <laughs> reading it to what they did with bringing Taika on the Ragnarok and now Taika doing this one. And and you really kind of hope with what is teased for a Thor 5 that Taika does come back and he does yeah. work on it because yes. a trilogy to close it all off would be the best sending point for both all parties involved. And agreed. And I and I couldn't, you know, one thing different. Is this Taika's first time directing in 3D? Because I know we didn't watch in 3D, but I've been I've been hearing through the grapevine that this is some the the 3D actually adds a lot a lot to it. I'll tell you right now. So I tested it in 3D the second time around. I watched it when we watched it the the next night after we we tested it early. Was there some cool stuff in 3D? There specifically the end sequence, the when they're like in the weird Kingdom Hearts water Jesus heaven world with eternity. The they were doing stuff with the depth perception of eternity being this like spatial void. That was like really cool. And then also their reflections on the water had depth to them. So like you could kind of like, yeah, it was very cool. I heard they did cool stuff Dude, with Taika, Taika too. killed the visual and the technical style of this film in every way, shape or form. Cause it's like, it matches the wacky electric tone of Thor that he set up. And now mm-hmm. Thor is truly this space Viking God of thunder that, was this more weird character in the comics as well. And like that they were, they started off with him being over serious and now he's like brought him full circle. And I love the character of Thor. Now I love how he's over joking to compensate with his traumatic stuff that he's been through. And I love the way that he's always ready to protect the innocent. And I love the way that he's still like a badass, super strong fighter, even though he's, somehow kind of the underdog in a lot of the situations it's so fun i mean like i said up top i had a couple of issues with the movie like the pacing and the the length and the like lack of character structuring i did not have a problem with our villain in any way shape or form i was wondering one of the most fantastically set up mcu villains 
because it's another one of those situations where you understand the motivations of the villain. You don't necessarily agree with what he's doing, but they set it up so well that you know why he's doing it and you can understand that. And so when he's killing gods, he's doing it because he feels forsaken. They took away his child, no matter how much he prayed to him. He literally meets the God face to face and he's a fucking asshole. (laughs) <laughs> and so they give him the Necro sword and he gets to become this fucking God slaying villain. And we don't even know how long he's been doing it either. Cause I think they're confirming that Sith Sith has been out searching for him this whole time. Oh, Sith, that's what Sith yeah. was doing. Okay. Yeah. And then you're speaking about Christian Bale, which is one of the most fantastic actors. Well, I was talking about Gore, the God Berkshire because Christian Bale transforms <laughs> in this role. <laughs> that's what he fucking does. I mean, he is creepy beyond and, belief. And it, well, I mean, Probably the second best MCU villain we've had. Uh, Next up, Thanos. Thanos. And these are, don't you fucking say Ultron. Loki. Okay. Loki isn't semi. I also isn't he like an anti-hero type of? He, yeah. At this, point, at this but point, but he was still the best villain in the Avengers. Yeah. And at that time, but but that but now I, that okay, we're then here, Wanda. If we're playing now that we're here, I think Wanda is an awesome villain. But what about the problem man? with the TV show? I don't have don't, a problem. With you don't the TV know show. She, she. No, but what I'm saying is, if you're only watching the movies, you don't know that she's as good a villain as she is, yes, unless preach. you have already watched the show. This is, this is my rival. My ar- my argument to that <laughs> is the MCU as a whole is a. You got to just in, if you're going to commit to watching the MCU and enjoying it as a whole, you have to watch everything. And when right, they say right. the shows are integral parts of the story and will have massive consequences for these characters going forward and that happens in wandavision okay. and then into doctor strange which we were supposed to get i think doctor strange before wandavision brett i'm as hearing well, you but they rewrote that i'm hearing you i'm understanding you but didn't you guys bring this up in a previous episode yep. where, you, about where you where you said that in... someone like feige or the director said that you were going to be able to watch this movie without. I didn't to say watch that. Any of the whatever didn't, he didn't said he said that. Yeah, Feige said that. One of his one and of the according Disney to you Disney comics. and I argue that you can, but he's, it's you yeah. can, but it's better if you <laughs> watch Wandavision. You're not, <laughs> okay. you're not wrong. You're not but when like the wrong. executive producer of this whole universe, he said says, you can. It's a blanket not, statement. That's like, that's like Thor you, that will not hold up in court, sir. That's, that's like Thanos being told you don't need the mind gym. You can you still need it, the Infinity Stone and achieve what you're going for. <laughs> okay, but I want to say with with Christian Bale playing Gore the God Butcher. And this is like the first time. I also really like the deviants in Eternals. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) They have nothing. (laughs) So if you derail me, I derail you. Wait, how are the duck villains turn out that the deviants failed Eternals or something? Okay. Yeah. 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 So with Christian Bell, you got to wonder with him. So this is like the first time he's got to take on a villain, like a villain. I mean, I know American Psycho is a villain, but he played one of the best Batmans we've had and you gotta help you gotta you can't help but wonder as he's doing this role being a villain does he think of Heath Ledger he was a red oh I was about to say yeah he was a red mouth away from being the Joker like do you think that he he took what he learned and got to see firsthand from Heath Ledger to like a little bit into his I mean he already goes method about parts 100% but it's great to see that especially in the scene where he's like talking to the kids 
in oh, when the yeah. kids are in the cage. Oh, I mean, when he, and when he is he, smiling and the laughing. The uh, shoots a couple of those scenes where it, uh, you see his, you see the shadow of his face. It's coming it like in the background. Like you may not yeah, even see him. And yeah. the way yeah. they work with shadows for yeah. his exits and entrances, oh, just yeah. like the way it's, he's maneuvering that, through the shadows that is quick, amazing. Quick jump scene where he like dashes forward to the camera oh, and like there's yeah. a loud sound yeah. to kind of emphasize the you know a jump scare kind yeah. of moment and it's it's scary i mean mm-hmm. yeah you know for a younger audience i mean i'm, I'm not that and young but I that do. was what i was going to bring up in the point to brett's point about the visual uh, effects and how they handled gore visually was just incredible like i know the comics it looked like he has tentacles coming out of his head or something like that but then taika came out saying like they did their best not to make him look like voldemort oh, in when, the face because he's like face. a yeah. nose no yeah. nose sharp yeah. teeth white looking motherfucker and they they, they, they with the, with a deterioration of grounded, the look they actually held pretty accurate to the the comic book origin in the in the comic books though he loses his whole his mother and his father to like the gods basically to like the earth splitting open of his planet. Then he loses his pregnant wife and his kids. And then he goes and uh, runs into the gods who are like two gods that have clashed and have killed each other and crashed to earth. And then he just takes the necro sword and finishes off both of them. But in this, I love the, the setup of the daughter and I love how when she goes and like, she's still like worshiping the God in that moment until he finally feels betrayed. And motivates him to go through the things that he's going through in the film what i don't like about the gore character is the daughter at the end how she is now one of the most powerful omnipotent beings in the entire marvel mcu incarnate but she's also just some kid's sidekick for thor i don't love when you just add a kid's sidekick to something or to like a story and I really hope that's not the angle of Thor five is like him and the kid having adventures across space I think the I ending think be is the ending is gonna it's gonna it's draw a lot of um what's weak the or, ending is kind of weak the ending because there's some get the there's title. some pro, there's some issues because I guess like for me I didn't really quite understand why the daughter had powers to begin with she's eternity she's yeah she is uh, apparently because eternity is like this omnipotent wish granting being and I think because she brought the eternity brought it like the you saw that you see the camera shot where they go through the reflection and she's like the spatial being okay okay so and that so I she can, is I not can, really the daughter she's I can just take in that a, lead she's an extension of eternity but if he was there Thor yeah like people on youtube and people are saying like why didn't at that point did he wish for like his friends to come back alive or like stuff like that thor it was it was gore that had to make the either the wish to destroy yeah i don't think they get two wishes it was you you don't get unlimited he has rules to this shit bro what he was the one that opened it up dc is a different and jane was like you have to go when you're talking you have to go in there to fall eternity has been scripted or like written in a bunch of different ways and is like power set i think what they they established that like it was a one and done okay yeah okay eternity is like a being not but also that's why jane but also in that moment jane was like you can choose and like even if you go like thor will be here and we will help you and it's like a cathartic moment for everyone in that moment for all three of them so they all like uh, like i think agree and at that moment too you have just going through but the whole uncle thor thing is where you lost me to go through you know in the older times we're like all of Anthony Hopkins as Odin's been teaching Thor, you don't have to fight with your hammer, with your might. Um, you can just use your yeah. concentration. That's what makes a great king. That's why he took his powers away in, in the uh, first Asgard. One. Yeah. yeah. And so at that moment, he didn't want to destroy 
Gore, he was like, it's on you. Like you need, you oh. decide what comes through. And, and that Gore sees his love for Jane and like, stop tapping on the thing. It's oh. picking it up pretty but, good. <laughs> uh, but he wouldn't, um, he, Gore would not have been able to make that choice if he hadn't been separated from the necromancer's like influence. Right. He wasn't going to make the way. That, well, that that's what I'd say. He was, he was losing his power. He was dying because of it. And he, the only reason he made the wish was because he felt confident that Thor would take care of him. Which he will, because he's going to be a great uncle. Fine, but I I thought uh, that part was fucking awesome. Because it cuts to the narration that Korg is given, and then you just see him and her arguing, and I was like, that's that's awesome. I do like that they are love and thunder. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. And and I know what you're teasing where you might not like where it goes forward, but I don't think it's going to fully be like, this them two run across the galaxy. I mean, I think that there still might be an adventure out there where Thor can go do what he has to I do. I just had my own teased. thing written in my head and it didn't come true. Yeah. So I think I'll get over it. Okay. I just I wanted it's, I wanted um, Thor. Touch, it's touch. It, well, the other thing is like you had like what you're saying earlier was like you know, uh, Chris Hemsworth and Ty, like they're they're family men and like they mm-hmm. have kids and you well, have yeah and then Chris like that all was the literally families, Chris's daughter. Yeah, and like all the families. Oh, uh, that one, Christian, yeah. Christian Bale. Yeah, all the family's kids like drew a lot of the art for the the monsters and the the yeah. Marvel. And then I think Taika's son or effects. daughter yeah. was like young the Thor daughter. running, or no, no I think that Chris's, was Chris's son. Chris's. All the kids were in it. Got gotcha. like mo- the majority of the kids that were being captured were Christian Bale, Natalie Portman, Chris mm-hmm. Hemsworth, and Taika Waititi's yep. kids. Yeah, I do family. love seeing that collaboration. And Although we no talked Dominic about that. Toretta. If you asked Taika, it was just cheap labor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're we, doing. We talked about Taika collaborating with his actors like that. Oh, yeah. And no. it's cool to see them building that together. Him and Chris. I'm trying to think. Because what? Uh, oh, oh, Axel. Axel. Because uh, in that group of kids, we also see Heimdall's son. Oh, that was yeah, like a, pl- yeah. a very pleasant surprise. Because I was there when I he was not expecting you. you. Oh, yeah, I can't remember what his name was. Axford. Axford. Or something like that. No, it's yeah. named after a band. Because he's like, he named you after a a great viking i was there and i thought it was, it was like but then he liked asshole because of the band so that was, it's it's uh yeah i mean his character's name's axel yeah. they call him axel by axel yet, heimdelson but, yeah yeah no, but that was great he was fantastic and the uh oh we haven't even talked about the sequence with zeus and russell crowe a little bit <laughs> uh it's really sad after being like after like watching cinema for so many fucking years and like Russell Crowe used to be like one of Hollywood's hunks and then alcohol and bad behavior left him down this really bad road. And now he's just, he's a, but they he's put abs chubby. on his armor, dude. Pretty chubby. Yeah, he, he is. But do you think that that was also part of the character though? No, I think, I, well, no, yeah. I think, I think just, it helped in his casting. It, it helped in because casting. he was definitely written retired, as a, a retired, uh, Zeus. retired Zeus that doesn't yeah. give a shit about people yeah. anymore. Just, and the, this just for the, the orgies. Yeah. Like most of the gods, but like I was, but like, I mean, the, my, like, my thing at the end was I was hoping God or not God, but go not gore. Thor. Thor. There's too many, Who? too many weird names. Uh, I was hoping Thor, instead of getting the like little Love. girl sidekick, Love. I was hoping he got the, the would get like the Odin force from his father. He would become as powerful as Odin. That's why Odin needed to sleep. He got this omnipotent like spatial power as the king of Asgard. And I was gonna hope that he would be go across the galaxy supplementing for these people that have lost their gods their people, their worshipers 
and being the god for them with this power that he has when now. When the hell is he going to have time space. to do that? What so, else was he going to do? Love goes to college. <laughs> but that's the thing. They were going to kill off Jane because she had cancer. So she wasn't going to hang around for that long. That's just how the mighty All Thor right. character That would have been cool. So, like, what else was he going to do? He doesn't have it. I mean, Valkyrie's running new Asgard, which I wanted to see a lot more of. I love that scene. Yeah. By the way, in that scene, Daryl, it from the, you know, the, did you watch the Civil War shorts where it's like Thor and his roommate yeah. and they're like just hanging oh, out? Guy was in it? He's in the meeting with Meek. She's like, Daryl, you go get this. Meek, I need you to take notes. Like, so he's in that. <laughs> that was an awesome addition because Tyke actually directed those. So that was oh, a really okay. cool add on. Cool. Um, but I really loved seeing Valkyrie being the leader of the the of New Asgard, but we didn't really get much of that at all. Mm-hmm. So that was another little gripe. But yeah, but I she mean, got to help in that one big fight. Oh, when, totally. When they stole the kids, that was a great sequence. Absolutely. And seeing the hammer split into a bunch of pieces was a was awesome. Also, seeing Thor grant his power to all of the kids <laughs> and having a little army of thunder gods that was amazing. And on the note of Russell Crowe. Come on. Mm-hmm. He was really like he was having a lot of fun. He was hamming he was. it up. Oh, easily. And easily. Um, him him throwing that lightning bolt around and like catching it. And you know, putting on a big spectacle for the crowd. I just thought yeah. that that was you great. flicked too hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we can talk about it now, but fuck if I don't love the tease of who's playing his son. Um Hercules. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, I so mean cool. Unfortunately, it was I spoilered a little bit all over the place with that and got spoilered by the fucking thing. But it's great casting. And he like looks jacked as fuck, even if it is like CGI. He's he a great fucking, Hercules. He looks he's he fits the awesome look Hercules fantastically. And I want to see him go up against Thor in the next movie. Yeah, they gotta be. I just, I just hope you gotta wonder how long is he gonna have to keep that uh, Hercules weight on. I think it was CGI. I gotta imagine that that was not it. like they put his head on someone else's body, but like they're gonna give him time to get they, ripped they because had, he's gonna be shooting season three. Got a Ted Lasso, so and they said that's the final know, season of Ted yeah, Lasso, so, so you that. can get jacked after the fact. Yeah. He um, and I think there's gonna be or, plenty of time before we see another Thor installment. I gotta hope that Taika Waititi does this beautiful thing that he's doing now where he's splitting his time between doing the MCU film and then doing the Jojo rabbits and then doing the MCU film. And then hopefully we get next goal wins, which is his next movie that is slated with uh, Michael Fassbender about soccer. I love that. Uh, So, I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else I think we missed? I've been burning through my notes and I can't really find anything to to wrap up on. Thor Love and Thunder, I, I had a great time. I mean, I didn't really have too many issues with it. My, I kept my expectations, you know, neutral because, like, I know a lot of things with A4 has just been way too much, and I didn't want to have it, you know, boiling over. So I cut myself going in at that, and I enjoyed what we got out of it. I mean, I think Chris Hemsworth does his best when he's able to provide the comedic spark that he can give. Like, just because he has muscles doesn't mean he needs to always be the action hero. And, and I think getting um, just – where we are at now like the threat in this one is not that big so like you're able to go in this and just watch it and more of like a peace of mind to that and and i like that and if it takes a couple years to get the next one that's cool but like where we are with this one and and where this stands in my like mcu i, I mean i kind of have it at a top 10 because i can find the rewatch value always 
always be in there. Same with Ragnarok. I mean, the, the rewatch value. I think, yeah. I, I especially when I get to rewatch this because I think what what he Taika's taking massive risk with this movie, especially visually. Well, he does and, the rom com aspect tone, and, 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 and in the tone and, and doing this rom com aspect because it's not gonna bode well with a lot of people. And They're gonna be like, that. oh, this is a why is why are we watching this weird movie about yeah, a guy that wants to hammer. fuck his hammers exactly oh, and to uh, note about Tyga's foreshadowing because actually in Ragnarok Court is like the hammer pulled you off yeah exactly and like yeah. so there's a little bit He's of the very, foreshadowing right of the, that, that was the, the hammers relationship the seeds were being planted of this weird yeah, relationship he has with his hammer it's like you have a Absolutely. very weird relationship with that hammer but I mean <laughs> cinematography and visuals and color and especially the black and white sequence on that moon where they're fighting and the way they use the like yeah, very limited color. color from the lightning and then the the stuff in like or the beginning the with the, the guardians i still loved and yeah the hammer the light and from bifrost, the hammer yeah the was... bifrost absolutely mm-hmm. everything that they let taika watiti do with this movie is great mm-hmm. i just don't think they let him do enough in the sense of runtime that's probably going to be my main gripe and um yeah, Brent, uh, to your point that Chris, you know, just because he's, you know, handsome and good looking and muscular, he can be a comedy. He he is really funny. He was um, my favorite part of the new Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, that yes. and also in, in vacation. He has like a five minute scene of vacation about the fucking remote scene. And I lost yep. and I lose my shit on that. And Taika has said he thinks Chris is so funny. So um, we didn't even talk about this, but the fucking Guardians were great in this movie. Yeah, Taika did a great job with not, the Guardians. not enough, not enough, but he did. Great. That's another part of the twenty minutes that I would yeah. add more stuff with the Guardians before they it's just not dump a Guardians them run. Movie. It's not a Guardians movie, but we were promised like Taika Waititi yeah. getting to work with the Guardians, and we got that for a very short amount of time. Yeah, but I'm very excited to but see what the Guardians have in Guardians Three with yeah. Adam you Warlock know, and like finishing off that and stuff. Pratt needs to start doing more comedy according to the fans i mean because i haven't seen a lot of this Dude, stuff he, but people are saying as the action hero people like, fucking hated him for a very long time because they thought he was like very over religious and he's recently come out and being like i'm not that religious guys like i don't know where this narrative came yeah, from like he, i'm sorry that my church was associated with some not so nice shit yeah. but that's not really me yeah and so like he's i think he's gonna be back on the come up especially come okay guardians three time because well, like andy was doing press for Dominion. He, he has a new show out now that's not mm-hmm. doing so good is right it? Now, well, i don't know they, i haven't it, watched has, it, it has so. a second it'll get a second season they, they well because they put a lot of fucking money, money into it yeah really but like you're saying like for some reason they feel like he's an action star because he does two summer blockbusters but they're ip summer blockbusters yeah, yeah. so they instantly think well he needs to be the next tom cruise the next will smith but, but when he's he feels so right when he's doing the character of star lord yeah, because I mean, it's because him. it's yeah. comic, because Star Lord is Andy from Park. Exactly. Like it's, it's, it's a slightly more competent exactly. Andy from. It's, oh, yeah. it's 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 Burt Lancaster. Sure, he's, there you go. No, that's not Burt cool. Lancaster. Oh, it's Burt uh, Burt Macklin, Burt FBI. Mac- yeah. Yeah. Burt Lancaster is like an old actor, I think, or it's like a TV show. He's character. someone. <laughs> yeah, Star Lord is so oh, quick, no, so witty, <laughs> um, and just so like intelligent and. uh yeah, I mean, Chris I mean, Pratt's done well, amazing Bert things Lee with that character. I mean, Thor, dude, Thor and his films have this new distinct style that, like, I cannot get over. It's, like, 80s and metal and colorful <laughs> and zany and, like, excessive. But it's, like I said before, it's, like, the movies that a space Viking king uh, god of thunder would be in. 
And th- I'm, I'm totally for it. I mean, if you're, if you're a fan of Taika Waititi, I mean, if you're not a fan of what Taika Waititi, I don't know <laughs> who the fuck you are, but yeah. I mean, at this point, if you haven't seen Thor love and thunder and you're not a fan, then I don't know that this would be for you. But if you are a fan of the MCU, and or you're a fan of Taika Waititi, I guarantee you there's things you can find to love in this movie. Um, yeah. And, you know, we didn't even talk about Taika's um, television parts and or directing Mandalorian. We talked or about high. a little bit, but yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we get his Star Wars movie. There's been like talks like he doesn't even know what it's going to be yet. Yeah. They're just like, here, we're going to give you a contract for a Star Wars movie because of who you are. Yeah. And I I didn't like that. So if it doesn't happen, honestly, great. But if he comes up with a good idea, that'll be even better. Um, well, he directed Mandalorian season one finale, which was a great episode. Yeah. I mean, he's proven I mean, time and time again. The best Star Wars TV show. We yeah. Have. Yeah. You ask him, he doesn't even know who he played in Star Wars or in Lightyear. He like doesn't <laughs> know the characters he plays. Yeah. At all. Uh yeah, like because he doesn't great. need to work that hard because he just does his own accent. Yeah. Court, I mean, it's, but yeah, it's great. That's very funny. Uh, <laughs> he's great. It's great. Taika Waititi. I mean, he's someone that like expanded my love for film, and I think that going forward, there is just more and more greatness to come from him, and hopefully, he does inevitably get that big old statue I, for Best Picture. I hope he doesn't do one of those things with like Quentin Tarantino, where he's like, you know, I could do maybe two, three more films, and I'm good, I'm done. Like, I hope he kind of always wants to bring new stories. And I think the fact that he's working so much and like being in Free Guy and like being in this Hollywood spectrum, I think that this, could cram too much. I hope he doesn't get burned out. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But we yeah. will see. But he, we will see. He seems like someone who is working tirelessly. And that can but at the same out, time, so. like you look on Instagram Marvel's and he's demanding. constantly on vacation. <laughs> he was like literally like he was posting endless Instagram stories where he was just fucking around with his kids Wasn't in New he Zealand. He, he was at Sam Neill's ranch. And then he was Winery. also at he was at the like Hobbiton where they filmed the the Hobbit and all oh, those yeah. like Hobbit holes and doors and stuff, the Shire. Yeah. And then he was ziplining with his kids and he's like, mm, like and subscribe. And then like the next video would be like, Hey guys, I just wanted to talk to you for a second. I don't know why you guys aren't liking and subscribing, <laughs> but I don't understand. Like I'm giving you all this. It's so funny. And so it's just everything this man does is hilarious. It's why I love him. He's number two favorite director of all time. And I don't, there's no reason. Your number one is Spielberg. Kevin's no Smith. oh Smith no oh Who actually the fuck are you I, I'm talking sorry, to, I'm sorry bro. that was a that was a, uh, a little bumble. I apologize a little to bumble. you Brad, and our audience. all right well um, I guess actually, with that okay boy. okay last thing one anecdote about Kevin Smith I wanted to say this at the beginning <laughs> was um me and Brett actually went and saw Kevin Smith and I just wanted to say a testament to Kevin Smith's character that um his secure oh. his security team was wanting him to get in a car and leave and he did not freaking leave until he actually got to individually meet with every fan, sign their autograph, shake take their, their hand, pictures, talk to them, take pictures. Um, Brett, was you, there, you, you so. teed it up. You didn't tee it up, but like me, we we were leaving a like one of his live performances at the pageant. We were walking behind the the theater just to go to our car, and he just so happened to be right there, about to get into his car. But like Austin said. Literally, fans were like not a, an insane amount, but it, a, like a, a, a over 15, a dozen fan, like maybe, 15, yeah. maybe 20, 30 fans all surrounding him right in the front of his car. The security is constantly saying, like, we gotta go, they guys. Like, hey, he's gotta head out. 
three he people made, ushering him. He, he made no effort to stop people from giving them his, their phones to for oh, him he, to just grab and take pictures with their phone, uh-huh. autographs, everything. He complimented my hockey jersey. It was a fantastic moment. But yeah. this, this so, podcast anyway. isn't about Kevin. Smith. I'm sorry. I, I just like when we talked about Kevin Smith at the beginning. I it is a great that, moment we shared out. together. So, um, it is a great moment. That but was a from great there, how about you give us uh, your recommendation? Okay. Yes. So. again thank you um brett brent for having me on the pod it was a fantastic time it was a lot of fun um you know i was thinking a lot well now we got to bring you back for clerks three after that story (laughs) i think we do i think that's gonna Um, be a a guarantee sounds good i will be happy to um (laughs) uh so i thought about my recommendation this isn't um a spec i i wanted it to be something so impactful but anyway look to get to this just happened to be a coincidental i watched a movie called um uh well long story short my recommendation is hell or high water nice (laughs) (laughs) did you robert bank in his head like a moment of like you know what (laughs) no that reminds me no it's a movie called don't track me or don't fight i don't remember but it has the guy who plays the brother of chris pine and foster and yeah ben foster it's a movie called like um leave no trace I leave believe. No, oh leave with Mc, uh, so thompson mckenzie I, exactly jojo so rabbit. that connection from the jojo rabbit and um really and him yeah, that um speaks from from that and so if that was a smaller movie that i don't think got on small, everybody's yeah. radar yeah. and it was and i actually saw it uh when i worked at the theater i saw the uh title a, above the theater and i just thought what is this i haven't seen a trailer i've never heard anything about this Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, and um, absolutely floored me. A beautiful movie. So, um, you know, please check out Hell or High Water if you haven't. That's my recommendation. Okay. That's your recommendation was like, Leave No Trace. I was really confused at which uh, which route you were going. (laughs) No, Leave No Trace was like, I... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, Leave No Trace. That was great. Um, So what I'm thinking, so this week we lost one of probably one of the, the true greatest actors we've had uh yeah. james con oh, okay. and so i just want to like sh- <laughs> we're, throw out we're going down similar routes <laughs> we're just like you know uh he was elf's dad ah well you just and, that's my recommendation oh, wait, oh well well my recommendation is like uh my favorite of his was probably thief but he's most known for godfather or elf or elf honestly multiple generations have caught on to him but he's just one of those great actors and i'm looking at his filmography and there's just some older films that i haven't seen yet but i want to check out and he's just one of those guys who was like it was really cool to to see what he brought to characters and and brought a lot of that to life absolutely just also not an asshole and it's not often you get that with older actors in hollywood it was really great to fucking um see films with them and tv shows I mean, I like and like, his son's an actor you, you too. Did, you did tee it up for me though. My my recommendation. You know, is I be Elf. It, unfortunately, in, it's been happening. Elf. I know we keep using the recommendations <laughs> as, as a, like an immemorial. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But I mean, it's when we start thinking about these movies, it does make sense because I mean, Elf is the best Christmas movie, and you honestly can watch it at any time of year, and it's fantastic. So, highly recommend watching that. Watching Thief. Watching the whatever no one, trace, picked, high water. Uh, which whatever one, <laughs> but that's going to be it from us this week. This has been an excellent episode of the podcast, a Taika filled adventure, and we have come to an the end. So, one. An almighty one, absolutely. We are all worthy. So, with that, that'll be the end of the podcast for the Center Rivals this week. You guys have a great rest of your night. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.